This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Escape Hatch, the podcast formerly known as Dune Pod. This week, it's the triumphant return of my co-host Jason. Cancel the episode. And we're joined by the showrunner of Max's House of the Dragon, Ryan Condal. But I thought porn was only on VHS. And his co-host of the Movie Props podcast, The Stuff That Dreams Are Made Of, Dave Mandel. I'll be damned if people are going to discuss Wrath of Khan and I'm not going to be there. We tackle one of the greatest films ever made, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want. And a Patreon where you can support us and unlock exclusive perks. Links are in the show notes. And now, without further ado, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. You're back. I'm back. I was gone. You're back. I was gone for a long time. I missed everyone. That was weird. When did we record? Was it, uh, that was like the end of if, June? Yeah. Or beginning of, of 2019, maybe. It was such a long time ago. Um, uh, I don't even remember. What was the last? It was episode one. What was the 19th? It was episode one. <laughs> this it was is episode, episode one. Four. Yeah. I dipped right after episode one. Yeah. I was you like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Seven seasons. I think I, I think I hit it. Some listeners wondered if I was just orchestrating my departure by uh, recording episode one and, and withdrawing, but that was not true. I was away um, both because of some family business and also just because uh, we were just getting slammed at home uh, mm-hmm. on a bunch of things. But now I am back. Yeah. Jonesy was licking his lips. He was like, he was ready to, to pounce. He was ready to go in. Yeah. yeah. I can't fend off Joni. He's like, he's like a, <laughs> he's like a, you know, a ninth level Don in podcasting. Yes. Did you listen to the Fugitive episode? I did. It was very good. Yes. Right. It was, it was very good. I was very grateful to Jonesy and also to Catcher uh-huh. and everyone who, uh, who stood in, in my absence. Did you watch heavy metal in solidarity? Heavy metal, I still have not seen. <laughs> have uh, you ever seen it? No, I've never seen it. Thank you also to Brian Mosley for <laughs> being here. Yeah. And watching it. I've never I've never uh, seen it. Um is it don't put uh, it on while anyone else is in the house under any yeah. circumstances. Yeah, I I I don't plan to. It doesn't seem like a family friendly film. <laughs> it's not. I think we had a good viewing of the Chuckle Hut. Uh I was not able to make it, but I think uh I think we survived. But it's yeah. good to have you back, man. It's good to see you. I'm glad you. to be back. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. Is there any pressing business that we need to that we need to cover? Um is there any pressing business? I don't think so. Um the trailer for Napoleon dropped today as we recorded. Have you seen that? I did see that. Yeah. What do you think? It looks good. I mean, like the thing is, it's like Ridley Scott makes a movie and it's sort of like a Schrodinger situation where it could be the greatest movie that you've seen in 10 years. Like you don't right. know. And this one looks ridiculous. Like it looks like they really did a thing. Um, <laughs> and Joaquin looks great. He obviously is always good. Really it looks really good. Looks really good. I, I don't know what the budget on this movie is, but I'm starting to wonder after the flash and after Indiana Jones and the dial of yeah. destiny, like is Hollywood going to take the message that maybe they shouldn't be betting $300 million per movie? 
it seems like a fr- I'm glad I don't run a studio. It seems like a fraught time. Like, yeah, like like the dial. I Did you see Indiana Jones? Did you see I didn't get to it. I didn't, I didn't get, get to it, it yet either. Uh, I definitely didn't see the flash. Yeah. It seems like a fraught time to be in the movie business, uh, especially if you're in the franchise business. Godspeed to everyone. It's quite tough. I feel bad about the Indiana Jones box office because I really enjoyed seeing all the. They did such a great job marketing it. I mean, it's mm. an Indiana Jones movie. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's hard to mess up. But Harrison Ford seemed to just love talking about it. I saw so many yeah. great clips like they really did a good job getting the word out about this movie. But people just don't want to go see movies, I guess. A lot of people liked it. 70 millimeter loved it. Danny gave it five stars, I think, or four, oh, wow. maybe four or four and a half, something like that. So yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it, like th- that's three people who saw it. Like, not a, not <laughs> enough, not enough people saw it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They were not counting. I'm a little. Speaking uh, of seven millimeter, I'm a little worried about this Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One situation too, because um, I'm a seeing lot riding, it on Wednesday. I'm, I'm there's a lot riding on that. Cayman. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's a, it's. A, I wouldn't want to be coming out with a franchise right now. I wouldn't want to be uh, trying to come out with like a part seven of some shit. Yeah. What about part two? Part two is good. Part two is always we're good. Okay. That's why we're doing Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan. The part twos are always great. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Well, I'm super stoked. Uh, speaking of, so we are doing Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan from 1982. One of the greatest films, not just great science fiction films, one of the great films ever made and yes. i want to just say like we did star trek 4 and we're like we love it but also like it's not great like it it it's definitely weighing yeah. down um there is no there's no nothing sagging here it's tight no fat on this steak it is a real it's a sizzler it's a really good movie and talking about it with some film experts, some movie making experts is a true joy. It's wild. Uh, so we had Ryan Condal lined up uh, to show up, and this will be his fifth appearance on the pod, showrunner of Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, um, but also the co-host of the movie props podcast, The Stuff That Dreams Are Made Of. Yes. At the last minute, like this morning, I guess, when I don't even know when it was, but he popped it on us. Uh, his co-host found out we were doing this, and it's his favorite movie of all time. That's Dave Mandel, who was a writer on Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Veep. A couple, couple small shows. Yeah, and apparently we, we just learned as we were doing the, the recording that he did the con homage in Seinfeld. <laughs> he wrote that. Amazing. I mean, how could you have like a better credit in the entirety of... Uh, in the entirety of Hollywood than that. Amazing shit. Yeah. So this is an incredible conversation. People are going to enjoy the hell out of it. And that is coming up in just a few minutes. Jason, next week, season seven, the big ones, part two. <laughs> we is that cover. the official name? It is now. Is that official? All right. I just came up with it. Uh, right. I Banger season didn't seem right to me. So Okay. Uh, okay, so <laughs> season seven, the big one, part two. There's part like two. three numbers <laughs> in this time. Oh, part two, always good. Always good. So we are covering one of the most classic films of all time. This is the fantasy meta genius film from our youth, The Princess Bride. I can't believe we're doing The Princess Bride. I, I, I can't even love believe this we're doing fucking it. movie. Like people love this movie. Yeah, I mean, I love this movie. This was a big movie for me as a as a as a child. It was a big movie for my my friend group. There's like some friends of mine like absolutely lost their minds over this movie and never never quite mm. got them back. Mm. Really good. Yeah, I can't wait to get into it. This was my first Mandy Patinkin. So 
Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, right, this right. is important. So joining us is podcasting legend, and this will be her third appearance on Dune Pod after Time Bandits and episode four, Arrival. We welcome back Veronica Belmont. Oh my gosh. So great to yeah. have Veronica Belmont back. She was there for us in the beginning. Mm-hmm. She's there for us now. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait. So that is going to be fantastic. And that is next week. Great. Jason, how about if we do some quick hatch news? Would you like to know more? <laughs> hatch news. <laughs> We're going to workshop it. Uh, yeah. The name is, you know, transitory. We'll see what happens. So Dune part two, allegedly three hours and 15 minutes per somebody on the internet. What's that? Oh, yeah. But is immediately denied. Like and and do news sh- by Dune other news. by other people on the on the internet on the internet. <laughs> yes. well, ha- what would your ideal runtime for this film be? Three hours, two hours and fifty seven minutes, just under three hours. Wow, Good. seriously, it'll be fine. And I, what was okay. doing part one? Two thirty five. Two. Oh, it was it was it was only a two two thirty five. So two forty seven. Blade right. Runner I'm- was two forty three. Mm-hmm. Um, so something in that something in that range, under three hours, but over two and a half. I'd like two twenty-seven. I would like mm-hmm. to tighten it up, tighten it up no. a little bit, and just let's keep just, it keep it running let's fast. Just let, let him cook. Let our guy cook. <laughs> can I cook or can I? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So so that is coming soon. Uh, we'll see if we get some additional information about that. No no word on no word on premiere. No, it hasn't nope. been said where it's going to premiere. Not yet. I'm, you know, reaching out to my folks, my sources at Legendary, see if we can suss that out. Could be Mill Valley. Could be. Could Could be your house on your 77 inch TV with the color. People like it. People like it. Uh, Let's welcome a few sets of people. First of all, since our last time we announced it, new Discord members. We had joining us Jackson V9, Lost Boys Announcements. I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. a bot or what that is, but Sega, Paul Moadis Nuts. Anna, Huckleberry, Nicholas Ben, Jamin, Janie, Emilus, Scoob, Buster, Avangard, Hare, and King Noob Zero. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you welcome and welcome. to the Discord. Yeah, it's great to have you there. Also, new Patreon members who've joined as engineers. Art and Chris Mack. Art and Chris Mack, thank you for joining the Patreon club. You are helping to mm. build the next generation of ships that will take us to sea. Are we going to burn the ships when we get no, there? No, no, no. Apparently, burn the ships okay. is a bad metaphor for a variety of reasons. But continue. Go on. Okay. Well, the last one is uh, we have to welcome some new babies. Oh, yes. Baby, so we had baby watch joining us or escape joining hatch. us in the last week, escaping the hatch, Dario and Aaliyah. Amazing. It was Welcome, very babies. This is one of the things that makes the Discord so much fun is that like there's a kids and pets pa- channel. Um, yeah. But like people talk about, you know, their kids and pets. And when there's new ones, they share them. And I like seeing babies. So it was, it was great. It was great. It was really joyous. I'm very happy for both the parents of Dario and Aaliyah. I'm welcome. Is not is not being born the ultimate escape hatch <laughs> from nothingness. Yes, into something. Bursting into something into is. Yeah. Mm. Yes. The undiscovered country is far away. As far yeah. away as it'll ever be. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining everyone who came to us this week and, and welcome new babies. Welcome new babies. It's not too early 
Uh, it's never too early. Sign up for Patreon. <laughs> it's available. You know, people are getting you all these hats uh, and like jammy sets. You can trade some of those in for a little Patreon. Right. We're going to have to have, instead of the OG, we'll have to have a new gen, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Geez. Mm, yeah. Make, make it happen. New G's. We'll work it. We'll workshop it. It won't necessarily be the name. What do you think? Should we get in this conversation with Ryan and Dave? Let's do it. Okay, so you two have a movie prop podcast, which (laughs) is called The Stuff Dreams Are Made Of. And we just had the prop store auction in Los Angeles from the 28th to the 30th. So is that like the Super Bowl for, for you all? It's the, the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl only if there are six Super Bowls a year. <laughs> and every one of them, you tell yourself, I'm not going to buy tickets. Those tickets are too expensive. And right. then you splurge on crazy flights and tickets and you spend way too much money and go, never again. And then three months later, you do it again. Do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so it's exactly like the Super Bowl. And one thing, one in listening to you guys' podcast, which is excellent, folks should definitely check it out. Um, I didn't realize how much what is your estimate of how much recirculation is like, you know, this is like, okay, we've seen this before, like for just for you guys, like in a catalog comes out, it's like, we've seen this before versus like, this is a garage find. And this is something new that the the, the market hasn't seen. Definitely more recycling these days. But I mean, that's, it's a pejorative term because sometimes recycle means, oh, I, I remember this from 10 years ago or 12 right. years ago. Hmm. There's, there, there, uh, Truly new, you know, as we, uh, what do you call them, Dave, and toy fresh collecting? To market? Or, yeah, or, yeah, or, oh, or Case rails, Fresh. That, oh, yeah. Case, case Fresh, fresh yeah. Uh, toy collecting parlance. Um, uh, uh, that stuff is, or garage finds or whatever, uh, barn finds from car collecting. Uh, yeah. That stuff is definitely rarer because, you know, it's certainly the stuff that we're interested in, you know, shake these things have been shaken out of the trees and the and the the crew guys that had that stuff and wanted to part with it have likely parted with it, certainly from the, the movies that we all love discussing. But there's a cycle. There's definitely a cycle yeah. because I think for a long time, these crew guys, I don't know what was going on in the 70s, but they just walked around in just <laughs> utter fear that somehow, you know, 49 years later, if they sold an ear to an Ewok, George Lucas Mm. was going to wipe them (laughs) off the face of the earth. And I think there's been this thing where things have come to auction, prices have gone cuckoo, especially, for example, on Star Wars stuff. And those prices and the fact that George hasn't killed anyone has- That we know of. Yes, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, Has sort of, you know, loosened things up. So usually at least once per auction, there's something that you go- Whoa. Um, okay. But it's more the exception yeah. than the rule, I guess, is to to tie it into what Ryan was saying. Yeah, I like uh, you've described on, on your pod before the notion of kind of strategically selling stuff at lower value, stuff that isn't as expensive to make more money and more space in the collection to buy the stuff that you want to do. So it's like constantly trading up. Um, yeah. and, and just, and just going just very strategically. And I guess I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. It's a little bit, we, it's sort of the museum term deascensioning, where you kind of mm. you have a large collection and maybe you have 10, again, let's pick whatever, 10 Conan pieces. And at some point you go, well, what happens if I had eight Conan pieces and I let go of the, <laughs> the least two? Will I ever right. notice that those two are missing? Probably not. And in a perfect world, my least two are somebody's, that's the best thing I've ever effing th- right. you know, seen right, right, right. and right. I'm going to spend money on it. And so when you can do that and sort of add, you know, sell 
I mean, pick your number, sell 30 things and buy one incredible thing, even if it's pricey, that's a good mm. deal. You know, it's a trade I would do every day of the week. Dave has been better at that than I have because he, he, my, I have more. Yes. My <laughs> sense of discipline has, has prevented me from, so every time I turn and look and what can I sell, it's like, ah, I don't have anything to sell because I, I've been very regimented. Also, Dave got into this earlier and he has his amazing comic art collection that he can also, you know, feed from. And that was the, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's done better than, in that game than I, I do. Mm. That takes up less space though, which is nice. I would imagine. Comics it does. Well, not when space. you start yeah. framing it, then it takes right, up right. wall yeah. space. So, yeah. Okay. What is it? What is the from a macroeconomic standpoint in the last like sort of year? Has there been like sort of a collecting was a zero interest rate phenomenon uh, mm. element, or has like have like prices like and the collapse in, of crypto? If X yeah. if X equals income yield and Y yeah. equal no, I have no. Fun. no <laughs> I was excited. I was so excited. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> um, I, macroeconomically, I have no idea. However, yeah. when COVID hit, I think all collectibles, including props, and it was true with comic art, props, baseball right. cards, watches. fancy watches, exactly. Yeah. Everything yeah. went crazy because people were just yeah. stuck at home and bored. Right. And then I do think things kind of have crept a little bit back to normal. And we're still, but we are in a world where prime A pieces are still going for bananas numbers. And right higher numbers like we're seeing catalogs this was the first prop store i think or well, maybe not the first but that had multiple sort of like you know estimates where it's going to be like a million dollars for this piece and you just are like whoa how did Jeez. we get there i remember when you know yeah. expensive was a thousand you know so right. that that that's what kind of what's been going on yeah, I mean the 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 any with any collectible. I mean, if you go to cars, watches, anything you know, anything kind of you know s uh, similar. I mean, those are all kind of you know manufactured. I think everything not, but know, monkey uh, uh, radiator, radiator caps, caps, exactly. Yes, Dave's but other otherwise, yes. <laughs> but, um, the the rule is with the A and A plus pieces, they're always gonna they're always gonna you know creep up and up. And there there is this thing that we talked about earlier this season, this eighty year phenomenon that this writer on what's that platform, Dave? The uh, the uh, Ted uh, Goya, yeah, uh, yeah, the honest yeah. broker, the honest, honest broker. broker. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a it's like a Substack thing. Um, okay. He writes a lot this. about music, but pop culture as well. Pop, and pop culture, yeah. yeah. But there was this um, 80 year phenomenon that he wrote about where essentially pop culture lives in these 80 year cycles. And, you know, he talks about a lot of things where, like, essentially, like, 80 years ago, Clark Gable was the most famous face on the planet Earth. And now, like, nobody could pick him out of a lineup. And it's this it's this thing, you know, it's it sort of it's sort of edged around collecting a little bit. It wasn't about collecting, but we made the episode about collecting because you're starting to see that now with. Um, particularly with like 60s television and Star Trek, the original series, where that stuff was doing really strong even five and six years ago. But now right. it feels like the people that spent a lot of money on Star Trek, the original series for like their Kirk tunic or whatever, they have a either got theirs or could never afford or whatever and or aged mm. out or died. Right. And now that stuff is coming to market and it's do it's actually on the downside. And it's not like and it's right. free. It's and by just the way, not what it was five years ago. And that's Star Trek. And then when you get into, I don't know, you know, Irwin Allen, which is there's a bunch of Irwin Allen stuff coming up and sure. like Lost in Space. 
Right. It's even it's even creeping yeah. further down. Where once upon a time, twenty years ago, oh my God, a Lost in Space tunic was like a Star Trek tunic. You know what I mean? Like right. in the same level, and people just don't care. And we've seen it over years. You know, the original collectors. We talked about this on the show a little bit. The original prop collectors were really these sort of wardrobe collectors who loved the elaborate costumes from the right. movies of the forties and fifties and sixties. And there's still. You know, if Marilyn Monroe Ward or Grace Kelly or it's Hitchcock or something like that, or, you know, one of the famous designers, there's value. But the average incredible costume from like a Mary Queen of Scots movie, nobody really cares about anymore. So there are cycles to these things. As opposed to Deckard's outfit, uh, which was lot number 68, uh, his outfit from the Voight-Kampf and the final fight scene. Priceless. Yeah. 200. Well, turns yeah. out. Can I say how much it was? Yeah. Yes. To say okay. Yeah. 288,000 for that. Yeah. I didn't wow. know Deckard was wearing Adidas all this time. Yep. Uh, so They're Adidas knockoffs. Away. It's amazing. They're, yeah. They're sick. Yeah. No, yeah. so that that you could imagine, like like Blade Runner is actually one of those you could imagine as like Gen as like Gen X kind of becomes yes. obsolete. Like you could have you could imagine the shine coming off of that one because like 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 whereas like an X wing like you if you own an X wing that's probably always going to be like a, a sore sore topic. Will. Keep keep moving, keep moving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I was going to say we down. were just we were just talking about actually Blade Runner and specifically and that that number on our on our sort of auction wrap up episode, which yeah. is this bonus episode that we just recorded and we just released. But where I was going with it was we were talking about the fact that, you know, Blade Runner is an interesting one because it's slowly sort of creeping up the list of best all time movies. Okay. So maybe it's moving into perpetual classic and that's some of what is, I mean, again, it's, uh, it's hard so. to say, I, you know, we don't always know and you can't always chart it, but there's, there are patterns, I guess. These yeah. kids with their voice memos and I just don't know if they're bought <laughs> in enough. It's all Bluetooth. That's what I, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm, that's what I'm pretty sure about yeah. at this point. Yeah. Uh, Blade Runner actually is an interesting one because it hasn't performed as strongly as other things from that, you know, from 1982 even. So far, but I, again, I feel like it's starting starting to get there. Because as big as that number was, that, that's a, that's a record and by quite a margin. Um, but you right. had the blaster, right? Ryan, like I have, just, I have one of the stunt right. ones. Yeah. I have one of the, okay. the rubbers. Yeah. yeah which is you excellent. Voight, I love it. I have, you have a, a white cop machine as well. I yeah, okay. No, no, that was apparently that's gone. Nobody, nobody knows no. where that is. And that was either mm. destroyed or there is a rumor that it was turned into the Esper machine. Um, mm. it was, it was like re because you know, oh. the, um, the photo journal, uh, the photo detective work that he does when he's doing the, uh, you know, the grid points and, and moving in that was a pickup later on when somebody said hey our detective isn't doing any detective work so oh, they so went in and ah! they into that. made oh, that scene so the the rumor is they went back to the to the to the you know the prop store or the shed and uh and took out the void conf and hacked it up and made it into the esper but i'm wow. also not sure that's really a thing that's a, that's a rumor that's out there but either way the void conf machine is what an all-time looking prop. Holy I mean, budget-wise, yeah. that would make sense. I mean, because even when they were doing those pickups, they were so scraping the bottom of the barrel at that yeah. point. It's po- very certainly yeah. possible, logic-wise. Anyway, who knows? Yeah. Interesting. Amazing, amazing God, stuff. God, you guys are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Folk, folks should definitely check we out. Ha- we definitely have to come on to another Movie Nerd podcast to hear those <laughs> words. Exactly. But we're glad to hear them. We're Just really we're down. really trying to narrow our audience. That's what we're really trying <laughs> yeah, to do. Exactly. Yeah. We're competing for like the same We're we're kind of we're kind of worried that a lot of our audience is too yeah. broadly and open-minded and we really want to 
I really want to just dig down there and really, maybe really we get should it talk down. about yeah. a Star Trek movie from 40 <laughs> <Yeah>. years ago. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> we are doing it. Yeah. And so, so Ryan, I don't know if you've been keeping score, but this, you are joining the five timer club right now. Wow. It's happening. Excellent. Aliens. Tombstone, Terminator, <laughs> Terminator yeah, exactly. 2, and Wrath of Khan. Yeah, excellent. It's a Kirk tunic. It's a Kirk tunic yeah. we got on the cheap. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> right, but it is from motion picture, so anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Still doing you know, strong. Strikes yeah. and gutters. Um, so so we're really excited to have you here, um, You know, both Ryan and Dave Mandel. Welcome to the show. We're, Thank we're you. just really happy to have you. Thank you. I should, I'm just going to say this to your audience. I... Hmm fought my way into this episode. <laughs> he did. Ryan, I want to thank you guys for having me. Ryan told me he was doing this and he's told, I know he's done the show before and I haven't cared a little bit about it. Uh, uh, but You're like aliens, Terminator. It's like they're fine movies and I like them all. I didn't need to hear Ryan talking about it. And I don't even need to hear Ryan talking about Wrath of Khan, but I was like, I'll be damned if people are going to discuss Wrath of Khan and I'm not going to be there. So anyway, okay. thank you. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. We, we need more people to claw their way into this podcast. <laughs> I guess are you guys ready to get into it right now? Yep. Let's yeah. do it. All I right. just watched it. Spock dies. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Whoa. He's I like mean, I wish someone character. had told me. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to spoiler episode. warnings yeah. for Wrath of Khan, a 41 year old movie. <laughs> okay. So here we go. The Wrath of Khan is the battle against the mistakes we've made as we seek our highest purpose. Admiral James Kirk completed his five-year mission commanding the legendary flagship of Starfleet, the USS Enterprise. After saving the Federation from destruction once again, he's been kicked upstairs and forced to hand over command of his beloved ship. But his ruminations on his lost purpose are cut short when an enemy from his past, the genetically enhanced man out of time, Khan Noonien Singh, escapes his confinement, hell-bent on revenge. Khan will threaten Kirk's crew, his ship, and even his former lover and their son. Facing a no-win scenario, Kirk and his team will use their wits, cunning, and experience to fight back. Can Kirk put aside his doubts and outsmart a superior intelligence, or will he lose everything and everyone he's ever loved to the wrath of Khan? I can't even believe awesome. we're doing this. We we don't deserve to do movies this good. This is a uh, this is amazing. Again, we this made an episode like a hundred and seventy before we talked about Wrath of Khan. We could have easily burned this in like the first week of Dune Pod when I was recording out of a closet <laughs> with like a Bluetooth device. Like this is great. No doubt, no doubt. So so Ryan, why don't you start us off? What was your first experience with Wrath of Khan? Well, I grew up, I mean, my Star Trek growing up was, and it's, it's fuzzy for me. Cause I, you know, I was, uh, I, I'm, I'm a late seventies child. child. I'm a, a child. Gen Xer. Yeah. He's and 22 years old. It's as so annoying. David He's accomplished so much. Me. Yeah. Yes. And, um, so He's I'm a my, prodigy. Yeah. I, I'm my, uh, my, uh, my real core Star Trek memories are all around Next Generation. Uh, my mm -hmm. dad was a huge, is a huge uh, original series, Kirk and Spock fan. So he loved all that stuff. I didn't really get into the original series. Uh, and actually, I, in, in knowing that I was going to have a true Wrath of Khan expert on this episode, 
I went back and watched Space Seed. So I, mm-hmm. I actually did all the research. I took notes and everything. You guys would be God. very proud. Um, mm. But I, uh, so I didn't really watch this as a kid because it, it, you know, it all felt creaky to me and and whatever. But I did watch the original movies. And mm-hmm. um, and I loved, of course, you know, uh, 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 Star Trek for, you know, Save the Whales, Star Trek. And because sure. uh, who didn't as a kid? Um, but it was also it was that and under, it was the, the even one. So it was that Undiscovered mm-hmm. Country yep. Two, and, four, Ra- six, and, yep. and, and Wrath of Khan. And mm-hmm. so and I just remember really loving all those movies. And Khan was always my dad's favorite. I liked mm. the whales one and the action packed one with the Klingons more. But as I grew up, a la you know, Blade Runner, as we were talking earlier about offline, uh, it grew mm. for me. And as I you know, started pursuing screenwriting, every time I go back to that movie, it's that th- it's the old wine that you just appreciate more and more and more. Whereas I think the others have kind of the bloom has come off the rose. And not that I don't like them anymore. It's just you start to see the issues with <laughs> with the others and in a way that this one just is. I just watched it this weekend in preparation for for this and god yeah. damn it it is a perfect movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yes uh, yeah. unreal unreal dave how about you well i like one three and five um, okay. no, um <laughs> uh i'm 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 uh i'm 1970 so you know kind of Same. like right around you know the mid 70s uh channel 11 in new york city used to air yeah. the star trek reruns on like saturday and sunday afternoon or one or the other and i'd watch them uh with my dad and you know it's one of those funny things like there are like 10 of them i can remember really 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 well and then you know if i look through like one of those like episode guides there are ones where i i'm like i i must have seen it but just you know zero memory of it. Do you know what I mean? So just one of those okay. funny things. But I huh. I did like the show and I remember going to see as a kid the motion picture mm-hmm. and just being very bored, just not really particularly understanding it. And when Khan came around, I'm pretty sure my dad didn't even want to bother with it. And I think my uncle took me to it and he and I huh. saw it. I bought the program at the mm. thing afterwards because I liked it so much. Wow. And I just, I, I loved it right from the get-go. You know, the novelization. Uh, I used to watch it when it was on, uh, when it would air on like ABC with the extra footage, which as a kid, you know, I didn't know why I was seeing extra yeah. footage. I didn't understand sure. how any of that worked. And then of course, where is that footage and all that kind of stuff. And then- Right around, I guess this would have been the late 80s uh, into going off to college, I inherited from that same uncle. He was alive, but he upgraded and he was a real technology guy. And so he was still obsessed with Betamaxes. And so I got a Betamax and in New York City, there was a store right in like right around Times Square and yes, it did have a porno section, but it was called <laughs> like it was called just beta. And all they sold were very discounted, like brand new beta tapes. And but so I thought porn was only on VHS. Wasn't that the whole story? No, there was there, <laughs> there was, was no, beta there was porn. Porn right. beta, apparently. Yes. Fair enough. Um, but you could so like when when VHS tapes were still like, you know, like a hundred dollars, yeah. you could buy these beta tapes of Wrath of Khan. And so I had, I think I must've, when, whenever that was, I think I had two and three. I think that's what was out at that point. Yeah. I had those on beta and just, you know, gr- you know, ground them into dust, just watching right. over and over. And the honest answer, and then obviously it eventually came out on VHS in a very accessible 1999 way. But for mm-hmm. me, 
I mean, it's it's a perfect movie. It's it's this movie, and I've said this on our show. I've said, Ryan, I've talked about it. When and if I ever teach my screenwriting class, mm-hmm. like I'm teaching Wrath of Khan. Like yes, to, me, yeah, to me, it is the the perfect script. No matter what you're writing, in terms of blending large action with actual grounded real life personal stories. I mean, that's what I I think is so perfect about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously performances and lots of other parts of it, but it is just a, it is a, it is a perfect, perfect script. And we're going to, we're going to get into that. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. As, as we get, as we get through, we're going to walk through the movie and and I really want to just like get into the the nuts and bolts of the script. But the last thing I was going to say, just to end on it is like in college, and even into like later life, like screenwriting, I've always been somebody that like some people like listen to music. I listen to movies I know really, oh, really wow, well. Wow. And huh. I'm also the yeah. worst with deadlines. So I'm just, you know, if something's due at 9 a.m., I start at midnight the night before. And, mm. you know, like Kirk, I pat myself on my back for my ingenuity and kind of get <laughs> away with it. Um, and so Wrath of Khan has always been high in my, I've got a deadline. Time yeah. to put in Wrath of Khan That's and amazing. just sit down and kind of have it sort of occupy my conscious mind a little bit so that my unconscious mind can work. So I, amazing. I have watched it just ad nauseum in a the great way. The dialogue yeah. doesn't distract from you. You can write no, it with like It sings other... to me. It's like musical That's lyrics. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Is any other human like that? No. Is that Some, like other somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> some there's some other autistic that can do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I can't even listen to podcasts. Like, yeah, I can't listen. I couldn't listen to a podcast. Speech. But if yeah. I, like, there's like a that handful of movies yeah, that you I know, know so well, of course, that I don't need to really look. That's up. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. I listen to the James Ooh, Horner score, I, and that's the, oh, yeah, the Horner. Listen, I mean, the score, yeah, yeah. Listen, the score is unbelievable. We're going to be spending a lot of time on Horner, okay? All right, good. Like uh, yeah. this, you know, we talked Horner's about making Horner. this Horner pod for a while. Uh, yeah, so. we did. All right, yeah. Jason, Jason, quickly, your your history. Uh, I three was the first Star Trek I saw in the theater, but two similar to Dave. Get out on on, on VHS and. Uh, um, on the maybe Betamax because my dad owned a video store. And yeah, it's possible oh. we had it. It's possible we had it on Betamax as well. But yeah, so I like there was never a time where I didn't know that Spock died at the end of two. Like I was like in three, he came back. Um, right, and so I always knew that he. I always knew that he died in this movie. So it never had like that emotional punch somehow. Like like of seeing it for the first time. Um, but it was a movie that I appreciated from a very young age, even though I was um, more of a next generation trekker. Hmm. Um, you know, by nature, uh, nice. just by, by virtue of, of, of age. All right. So I was going to say, Dave, I was almost the same as you in that we had Star Trek. So I was born in 70 as yep. well, but we had it in syndication. And so it was on every oh, afternoon, okay. I think at four o'clock. So I know every <laughs> episode. like the weather. Yes. I know every episode very well um, and have watched them all many, 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 many times. Saw motion picture in the theater and then went to see, obviously, you know, it was like such a hot time, right? 78, you got motion picture, you've got uh, Star Wars just happened. You've got Superman, like the, our, our time has begun. Gen X, we're, we're ascendant. Um, and then to go in 1982 on opening night, to go oh, see wow. it. And I, th- I think we went to either the 8 p.m. or the 10 p.m. show. My brothers were just here for family reunion and we talked about it. We go in there, we see the movie, our minds are completely blown. We come walking out of the theater and we are so stoked. And there is just a line all the way down the theater of people waiting to get in. 
And somebody in front of us was like, that movie's incredible. And everybody's like, yeah. And he goes, it's too bad Spock died. And the oh. whole place. <laughs> what like, dicks. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Such a dick move. So anyways. I love the name of a video store. I'm just stuck on a video store <laughs> named Only Beta. Like just sort of. Just Beta. <laughs> just, just, beta. just Beta. Beta beta Cucks. Yeah, exactly. It's just great. Exactly. Love that. Oh, they should bring it back. All right. So let's do some quick behind the scenes here uh, before we jump into the film. So after the motion picture, Gene uh, Roddenberry wrote a sequel where the crew travel back in time after Klingons prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Jeez Louise, uh, <laughs> Gene. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that was immediately torpedoed. And according to Shatner, he got kicked upstairs um, to become executive producer. And that was sort of the end of his direct control. Like being made an admiral. Right, exactly, exactly. So Harv Bennett comes in as a writer producer. He's never ever, uh, you know, watched an episode, but he did see Space Seed, and he had this idea of really wanting a strong villain. Um, so his initial idea is the war is called War of the Generations. Kirk investigates a rebellion on a distant world and discovers that his son is the leader of the rebels. I like that too, though. And, and I like that. Khan mastermind the whole thing, and Kirk and yeah. son have to join forces to defeat him. Have you guys ever seen, like, do, do these scripts ever come up? Does Is this, like, uh, available anywhere? Or? I did a podcast last summer at Comic-Con about mm. that script. And it was, wow. it was the okay. unfilmed. <laughs> so I actually, I I, I have it. <laughs> so, so we so can. So actually, the perfect expert we can, in the world is here. We can, uh, I can share it with you guys. But yes, I have, I have access to that, to that script and I can, I can send it along. It's ins- How is it? it? It's insane. I mean, it's insane. Okay. <laughs> they, it's Spock's birthday. There's a bunch of stuff. Like it's Spock's birthday. It's not Kirk's birthday. And they sing happy mm. birthday to him in Klingon because they couldn't get the rights to happy birthday. They're, Oh my God. And and it's like all these things that like Nick Meyer took and I'm sure you're going to get to this, Matt, but like Mm -hmm. what Nick Meyer did when he came into this, which is a superhero feat of not only like if this script took him 11 years to write, it would have been an amazing feat. But the fact that he wrote this thing in like 11 days, it's just amazing. It's insane because it was just a nothing script. It's a superpower to read a script and go Spock's birthday is garbage. But wait, what if it's Kirk's? I mean, it, there is that. Right. It's just like what people if it's can somebody either do it care about or their they age. can't. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Mm. Yeah. Is that like, what does that feel like when you see something terrible, but no, you can make it, like you can make it into a thing? Like, is that like, is that like an emotional react? Like you kind of know, like, okay, this sucks, but like there's a thing in this or is it It's like- funny. It used to be a very lucrative uh, pastime yeah. in Los Angeles when they right. used to make movies. Um, right. other things, but uh <laughs> But uh, you as know, opposed to content, <laughs> it's yeah. a strange it's a strange feeling because part of you when you're sort of brought in and it also depends on sort of what you're being paid when you get brought in. But you're kind of you just cannot believe someone wrote this piece of shit. There's that there's right. part ah. of that, which is the I cannot believe what I'm looking at. You paid this guy and a little bit of now you're paying me so much less to fix this garbage. I would have <laughs> right. never done this to begin with. <laughs> mm. um, so there's that. But there is a there's an ego to it. Like I know how to fix this. I mean, there's a, there's yeah. a sort yeah. of a, a positive to it. And, as well. and there's yeah. also the the kind of looking at the executives going like as like the parents of like a bad child, just going like, how right. did you <laughs> let this happen? How did you, how did you preside over this? Yeah, it feels yeah. like in another culture you should kill yourselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The shame. Yeah, yeah, it's good. 
Oh man. Well, Jason, it's like what you feel like when you browse Twitter, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. It was like, uh, there's someone, someone should be shamed for sure. All right. So, so Nick Meyer came in, wrote this incredible script, uh, very quickly. And then, um, I love this detail. He thought that it should be Hornblower in space. Hornblower in space. Yep. Unaware that that was Shatner and Roddenberry's original inspiration as well. So that, that came together. This definitely is the most nautical Star Trek has ever been. That was his deal. That was Meyer's big thing. It's so smart. I love, I just appreciated it so much in watching this movie, especially having seen like not seeing in a long time and having seen a bunch of other Trek since hmm. where it's like, okay, like, you know, like Trek has had to become much more kind of densely concepted because like audience TV audiences expect right. like this, you know, constant callback and really dense like universe. And it's like, I think Paramount made like a good decision to like make all of their shows like four like just super fans like they're not trying to like they're not trying to like attract you know people who are of a passing familiarity but like to do a movie a trek movie where it is so much of a genre that people would have had familiarity with and like has has and it, it's not a science fiction genre it's like it's you know dust boat um is mm. is but so it's smart. not just i mean but it is that but also it is also for the first time really playing up i mean both in terms of all of those details and then obviously when we get into genesis and the possibility of research versus mm-hmm. weapon it's playing up the militaristic mm. side yes. of mm-hmm. starfleet yes. which is yeah. something that has once in a blue moon in the original show not so much in next gen at all because obviously you know when roddenberry started that there was that sense of there is no drama because all conflict is gone and people were sort right. of this is not much of a show and i believe he then got kicked upstairs yet again uh, right. season 1 but anyway right. Right. but the militaristic side the the naval side of starfleet which i've always found very fascinating both Mm. story-wise but also of course design-wise costume-wise all of that yeah boatswain's whistle or whatever you call that yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the uniforms even felt you know distinctly more militaristic and yeah ranks more clear like bars and things yeah Yeah. and everyone getting called mister yeah like everyone getting called like like that was like a big thing i know it was like oh like the vernacular just sounds different like the way in which they talk to each other and like the you know is the call given and all that i mean it's just it it feels like a a hornblower show for sure really Mm. really well done there so the other thing that was important about all the development was that they did it on a focus on a really tight budget a complete like reusing shots reusing models reusing interiors reusing props from phase two props yeah yeah exactly um but then, so how much do they pay for this movie, Matt? What was the price tag? We'll, we'll get to the budget in just a second. Well, okay, we can do All it. Right. So it started out with a budget of eight point five million dollars, like half yeah, of a Star Wars: A New Hope. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so after two and a half weeks uh, of footage, they were like, "Let's juice it up." So they they gave them twelve million ultimately um, as the overall budget. So Ryan, your take on this shot. From November 9th to January 29th. Oh my gosh. Just that that time frame seems very fast to yeah, me. Yeah, it's an, it's an, it's insane. It's insane. I mean, that's a that's a TV schedule. You know, I was about to say, I mean, that's the other fascinating thing about Bennett is obviously he was not a Star Trek fan, but his background, I believe, was what, like six million dollar man? It was our television. Right. And so uh, after the if, if I understand the story correctly, but after the just insane overruns of Robert Wise and all yep. of that kind of yep. stuff, I mean Again, 
you know, who knows what they were trying to do, but it wasn't that no one was trying to make a shitty movie, but they brought, there's a reason he was chosen. There was a, you know, in, in the sense of, again, not that it's going to be a one hour show, which, you know, unfortunately I think some of the later next generation movies feel like yeah. an episode turned into a movie and this right. never does, mm -hmm. but the budgetary sensibility is there that carries through. Yeah. Well, this, this detail stood out to me. Like this was overseen by Paramount's television unit rather than oh. its theatrical division. And the DP um, who shot this um, was Gain Resher. He had only, actually he only did television movies before and after. Like never did Crazy. any straight theatrical Because it stuff. feels so cinematic though. Like, yes. The way in which they, like, but I think the way that's Nick Meyer also. I mean, again, let's just go back to Nick. I mean, that's him, I think. That's wow. just but the like guy. The way yeah. All the model work, like all the stuff of like all the way in which the ships feel in the nebula, all the space they give those scenes to breathe, and like so and good. like all of the inner character stuff too, like all of like the all of like the two shots of like you know Spock and, uh, of like Spock and Kirk and Kirk and Bones and like these scenes that really do have some space that I feel in a television show would have been like they would have never built Kirk's house, but it's bril it's brilliantly made though. It's all it's all studio construction if you look at it. Um, right. I, I think the only location work was probably the crazy paradise garden. And even that felt like a sound soundstage. Probably. I, that's that, Golden that, Gate. That's Golden Gate Park. OK, there you I go. Know, I thought then, Golden Gate Park is the end. I thought that's. Oh, sorry. Golden, I think Golden Gate Park is the end where. The, uh, yes. Yes. Where with Spock, Spock lands. Sorry. Uh, I thought that's I what think, you were talking about. No, but I think the, the Genesis, the Genesis cave. cave. Oh, that's I don't, a set. I don't know where that was. That's, that's a, set. a set. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and then there's like SETI off of five and like that, that, that feels like it was a set because of the that as well. Yeah. 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 So it's it's all like studio it's studio made and and you know hiring a TV DOP who can light fast and move. You shoot yeah. it you shoot it on film film stock so it looks like film, right? And right. And, and you know but that if so if if it's like if it's like 90 days figure, you know, let's call it let's call it, you know, 11 weeks, let's say. That's five, mm -hmm. you know, five shooting days a week. That's 55 days. That's a you know for 2 hours, that would be like a you know, two 27 day, um, premium television show, you know, episodes. So like, you know, the, the biggest, best HBO shows are, I was gonna say, unless are, it was Citadel, in which case that would be half of Citadel. Correct. Yes, <laughs> correct. Uh, those are, uh, the, the, you know, that you're at that level. So, so it really was, it was shot like a, like two hours of a premium television show, you know, figure. that's I would, crazy. And, and, man. and all the model unit stuff I would guess would sit outside of that yeah, filming that schedule because those yeah, days are much time. cheaper. Cause you're doing, you're doing those after the fact in the, in the, um, control environment of the visual but everything scene. you're saying is true about the lighting the stage work and whatever but again it's it's all of that is true and yet at no point does it feel like it's shot like a tv show the Not way the all, camera right. moves all of that kind of stuff so you're just framing it, you know he yeah he just um it's almost like he used the limitations to his advantage there's a wonderful quote from uh there's a movie i don't know if you guys have heard of it called the empire strikes back directed by <laughs> uh irvin Kirshner. and i got to see him once here in la on like the 10th anniversary and there's a quote that he gave that i've always, always stuck with me and i think it applies to this which is he was talking about everything that they were worried about with yoda the puppet and making it believable mm. and all of this stuff and how because they were worried about people not believing it they came up with all this extra business that wasn't you know there and to make it sort of like have him go through luke's stuff to kind of distract you from the puppetness and all of this stuff that they worked mm. on whatever and he basically said that when basically 
creativity meets limitations or limitations bump into creativity, that's art. And I, to yeah. me, that's Wrath of Khan. That the limitations, the lack of, well, we can do anything almost right. helps it. So I don't know. That's, that's, that's my, beautiful. my sort of sort of theory. Yeah. I love that. Mm. Amazing. All right. Well, so last piece here. So $12 million budget, 14.4 million opening weekend, which at the Killed time it. was the largest opening weekend gross in history. That seems crazy. I How mean, that possible because Star Wars started out smaller, I guess. And then just, but, uh, kept, but Empire had already been out by then. I don't know what to the, tell you. No I one just came to, no one I'm just, no one went to go see Empire Strikes. <laughs> I'm just telling you what it says, man. I'd like, all right. We'll Dave hadn't even heard of the movie until he saw the 10th anniversary <laughs> with Irvin Kershaw. <laughs> There's this great puppet in it called Yoda. It's amazing what they did. So the other the other thing is- Wait, Yoda's a puppet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. So Dave, you referred to this. In 1983, the studio sold the VHS for $39.95, which was $40 below the contemporary price. Everything was $79.95. Oh, I thought um, it had started at $79.95, but I got mine yeah. for $19.99. I got a good price. So yeah. yeah. That's and, good. And, That's good. Hustle it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a crazy time. And the beginning, like it, essentially they sold 120,000 copies and this wow. began the era of let's do cheaper VHS sales. How wait? How what was the window before they released it? How long did they? It just said eighty three. So say say so, nine months. So probably. like a year later. The other yeah. thing, by the way, just to point out that's hilarious, and I know I'm sort of jumping to the end. I feel like in my life, I have owned more copies of Wrath of Khan because mm, yeah. I, I had a yeah. Betamax. I think I had three different VHSs, two ha. different DVDs, and two different Blu-rays or something like that. So I've had more versions of it because they would like put it out, and then they'd put one out that improved it, then they put another one out, then they put a director's cut out, you know, and it just kept, and I just kept bought every one of them. Ryan yeah. had the Japanese Laserdisc. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a bunch of deleted scenes in that too, right? Like they came out. There was like a bunch of stuff that they actually the director's cut, which was the ABC the ABC footage, the yeah, ABC yeah, yeah. footage. Yeah, I love it when a cut of a movie is referred to by the network that it aired on. <laughs> yeah, that's when that's when you know you're in for some good stuff. In the early days of eBay, I bought for like twelve dollars somebody's VHS copy, like of the ABC broadcast, like yeah, yeah, yeah. just to have it with commercials. Oh yeah. my God. shitty stuff and whatnot yeah. but it was just like to this see is, the footage you know this is true of dune 1985 as well is because there's all of this like all of these hacked together cuts. oh right because so he then, almost did a director's yeah. cut right at one yeah, point yeah, yeah. and whatever and, yes, there, yes, yes, and yes, there's yeah. like all these like other broadcast version there's like one version that's like five hours long and it's like exists and so gurney plays have, the like, ballast and sings uh, yeah, and yeah. All that stuff, yeah. <laughs> all guys this is maybe a good time to mention this ryan and i have noticed a real sort of i guess hole in the marketplace and we are starting Please. an all dune podcast <laughs> that really that we are really excited about <laughs> yeah great. Yeah, we have a name that's available for sale. Oh, <laughs> good. good to know. Good to know. Strategic merger uh, could yeah. happen. All right. So I have long maintained that 1982 is the greatest year in film history. So let me just lay out a couple things here. Rocky three poltergeist, <laughs> which Dave features a scary clown, which you may have seen blade <laughs> runner, which was out two weeks before this movie. E.T. Yeah. The thing Tron. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, First Blood, The Dark Crystal, and Conan the Barbarian. That's a good amazing. year. Mm. That's a great year, man. Yeah. Good year. I'm going to plug, I haven't watched it yet, but there's a documentary that just came out two days ago called 1982, The Greatest Geek Year Ever. It's a documentary oh. by Mark Altman, and it's on the CW. So. Mark is a oh. very good friend. Mark runs. Oh, really? 
the uh, Inglorious Trexperts podcast, which is what yes. I recorded last summer oh, with the Lost Wrath of Khan or Star Trek okay. II is script. Mark is a great guy, and uh, and uh, that podcast is very cool. It's very Trekky. But um, there, the, he runs it with uh, Darren Doctorman, Dave, and oh, okay. uh, and uh, really, really enjoyable. But uh, yes, I, I saw the trailer for it and it looks awesome. He's apparently sending me a link, so I'm looking forward to seeing. That's it. great, fantastic. We can't wait to see the introduction that you make uh, for us to Mark. That'll be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, like oh yes, yes. I will. You guys. I believe like he's Trek going to come on him. our Dune podcast. <laughs> no! Yeah. Oh! All right. I like that anytime we bring something up of movie history, Ryan is, is like, oh, yes, actually, I played the bicycle in E.T. <laughs> I was, was like my that first was role. <laughs> that was my bicycle. All right. So let's let's get into this uh, into this film. Obviously, I, I don't even want to start with the, the music now, but just the, the right oh, out of the gate. God. It's, it's yeah. really incredible. We'll talk about uh, Horner later, but we go straight into the Kobayashi Maru. And so at age 12, hearing a captain's log, but it's not Kirk, it's Savick. Captain's log, stardate 8130.3. Starship Enterprise on training mission to Gamma Hydra, section 14. Who is this person? Why is she the captain of the Enterprise? Like this idea of throwing you in with no idea or setup is amazing. Why isn't she the captain of my life? Yeah, she's, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great intro. Uh, this, this set, now I will say, the bridges of these ships do feel a little claustrophobic to me when watching this now. Like, I think like in, I th they feel like a little close. But again, I think very purposely submarine-y, you know, again, same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Run silent, mm. run deep or whatever. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. But, the, you know, things completely going sideways uh, quickly. So much that Kobayashi Maria was like, a, you know, like a, a slang uh, that's used in the real world. But um, all the vector graphics, I was obsessed with uh, these computer really graphics. Really good monitors, man. Really yeah. good graphics. Yeah. Just a, this is, I mean, it's kind of amazing because like this is the same year as Tron. And like, I mean, this is really the heyday of vector graphics. Like if you could, if you could program vector graphics from like 1981 to the 1985, that was a good time. From 1981 to late <laughs> 1981, you had a hell of a ride. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Dave, just talk to me about this notion of using the Kobayashi Maru through this entire script in the film um, and tying that together with facing death and failure, like just really setting this up. Um, to the, the point where uh, Kirk, when he comes in and says, all right, open her up and is standing there in silhouette, he tells Savak, a no-win situation is, a, is one that every commander may face. How we deal with death is at least as important as how we deal with life, wouldn't you say? What's truly, what's truly incredible about it, just from a script standpoint, I guess a couple of things. Number one, it sort of takes death off the table on, on one hand, because obviously... You know, if memory serves, there were rumors of Spock's death and all of that kind of stuff. I, right. I I, that was not something whatever 12-year-old me knew about, but I guess fandom sort of knew about it. Yep. And I don't think this was written in response to that, but in a way, Spock dies in the first, you know, three minutes of the show and you kind of, um, the, the movie, and it kind of takes it off the plate. And then you get this just wonderful, very sort of like from experience, you get this sort of Shatner moment of how we face life is equally important as how we face death and, you know, and the, the no win scenario and the importance of it. And it's all very somber and serious and whatever. And of course, what you don't, we don't know at this moment, but script wise is that's all coming back yeah. in that incredible, 
you're yeah. looking at the only cadet to ever yeah. beat the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. I don't like to lose. I mean, yeah. which I mean, it is a, it is a, it is a one hour setup for like one of the yeah. most incredible like chill moments in, yes. in the world. But yes, but right, but right from the de- but right from the start, it is just letting us know we are talking about life and death and stakes and all of these things. And in a way, you know, again, not to look back and shit on, you know, uh, the first one, but I think it sort of tried to like, right from the get go, let you know, this isn't the motion picture. This isn't going to be right. a heady philosophical snore fest. You know what I mean? Right, it's gonna, right. we're, we're life and death and all of those things, which just to me is just pretty incredible. Yeah. But Kirk is lying here essentially, right? Like he's, he, he's saying he's the things yeah. that you're supposed to say as a mentor, but he doesn't believe any of it. Yeah. He's doing a hell of a job lying, which is kind of great. Yeah. And, you know, part of it is, the other thing that's incredible is, look at all the exposition baked into one scene. I mean, yes. without ever having to say it, trainees, cadets, captain, yeah. ca- captain, admiral, blah, 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 blah. In very quickly, you know, where are you going to the ship? Where are you going home? You home. know, home, home, home. And we all of a sudden understand he's, you know, not retired, but he's been put out to pasture. He's taken the, I mean, just so much going on, just jam packed. I think this is another good opportunity for me to plug my Star Trek TV show concept, um, <laughs> Star Trek Admiralty, um, which is about like sort of like, it's like Star Trek meets the West Wing. Like it's like about what's There's a lot going of people on. walking like, around Starfleet headquarters, a lot of yeah, walking exactly. around, like figuring out, like you know, it's like who, how do we, how do we get this guy out of the way? How do we layer him and like move him to this other job? Like what's going on with these like you know jackass trainees? Like bust that whole class or whatever. I'm, I think there's, I think there's something there. Get at me, Paramount. <laughs> I like actually like that. Um, yeah, I would, I would uh, watch it. I don't know uh, yeah. if I like it, but yeah. I would watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I just I have nothing really to add to it. It's all brilliant analysis. I, I I will say it felt like a lot of of difficulty to go through to have the exploding special effects death. <laughs> You're saying in your like, Kobayashi Maru you yeah, wouldn't right. go that hard? Yeah. So it just you know And, and acting and acting. You have to get all these people all, to like yeah, Spock yeah. Thro- you know, throwing his body around like that. Ah. Just, just seemed, seemed, seemed like a lot. I'm not a was drama there, critic. Yeah. Was yeah. there a yeah. scene like before this started where who was like, what's my motivation? Like, yeah. Like, like, how yeah. did I end up here? Explain, explain to me the backstory. Yeah. A half story. hour conversation with the writer, be, you write, write at rehearsal. I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know oh if my her, God. Her would say this. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel true to her. I know. Yeah. All right. So we go from there to Jim's birthday party. So, first of all, I just have to say, Bones' drip in this scene, like, what a look for the second movie in a row. One of the sexiest mans in the 24th century, for sure. I mean, that suit is so badass. I mean, mm. it, you, uh, you, it, you know, it takes a very special man to pull that suit off. Yeah. <laughs> but the the detail that I love about this beyond the Romulan ale, which by the way went for eight thousand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I bid and I really wanted it, but I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I couldn't uh, do it. But I really wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> So the thing that stands out to me most in this film is the other major theme, which is aging and and dealing with that. And the fact that Jim or that Bones gives him reading glasses and the notion that he needs reading glasses, uh, you know, and and trying to, you know, to make it work. I just love, I love that. 
but it's 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 the giving the reading glasses to eventually for the prefix code scene to yeah. make him yeah, 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 yeah. put yes. them on yes. again a sets up and he says damn he says damn when yeah. he puts them on and the embarrassment that he feels putting them on not just in front of his friends but in front of like these younger True. people i mean mm. you can think of it as putting it on in front of savik however you want to think about it also mm. and not to again i hate dumping on other things that moment the glasses is everything that is missing from both of the last two indies where they have attempted mm. to deal with similar topics, but they say it, but they don't, but they don't do, do it. it. Don't and actually, that yeah, the glasses right. is just the perfect representation. That's so uh, well the one thing I have to, the other thing I have to say really quickly, just to say it out loud is the, per, the way Shatner, and I know all of his reads are wonderful, but the way he goes, Romulan ale, Romulan ale. And like, mm. it, the yeah, ale yeah, goes yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. is truly one of my, I, it's why I wanted the stupid prop just to be able to go <laughs> Romulan, Romulan ale. ale. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Sorry. I, this scene about death made me, and like an aging, like was so affecting to me that I looked up how old Shatner was at the time that, cause I was like, oh shit, like this is almost me. And it is y'all like he's 51, like at the time when he shoots this. Well, like, this let's, is I mean, just let's go big for a second. This movie to me is it's, 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 it's Captain Kirk's midlife crisis. That's, right. that's what it, I mean, it's, he's right. not an old man. He's a guy all of a sudden realizing I'm, turning into the back end and it's the midlife crisis and it's i mean that to me is again what's so why it's so whatever so yeah he and shortly just, after the the events of the movie end he starts a podcast to deal with that is actually, <laughs> it's, it's strangely it's all about dune but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead ryan uh, no, I was going to say that I, I love the I, theme is just permeating every yeah. scene in this and, yeah. and, and not in a way that's beating you about the head because there's no, there, not expositionally, not boring, there like are just bad baked movies in. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's in it character and, it, and it's in the character and it's in the story and it's in the, even the structure and the arc that, you know, it's, it's cons. We'll get there. It's con story as well. And I love that this. You know, it's his birthday, which is a moment of celebration. It's about aging. He's having a hard time with it. And then Bones gives him a gift, which is an antique, because glasses don't exist anymore because he's allergic <laughs> right, right. to whatever the retinax, yeah, the retinax, yeah. the the eye drops or the whatever the LASIK surgery is uh, <laughs> from that time. And and it's an antique that he gives him. And Kirk is obsessed with antiques because he's from right. this different world. And, you know, Savik is the, you know, is the Gen Z, uh, you know, of this, of this time. And he doesn't know <laughs> how to get on with them. And he's, he's, you know, he's collecting, she wants to work remote. He's collecting relics. Yeah. From his in, in his defense, she comes late and leaves early. I mean, she really doesn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. And he's a collector. How did that hit for you? Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> I, I was delighted. Just absolutely delighted to see that. That again. I'm just glad he's not collecting movie props, but anyway, <laughs> my goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no competition. Oh um, man, and can just to, one other point, and absolutely, absolutely, but again, going back to these guys that were not Star Trek fans, you know, Bennett and then even uh, Meyer, uh, Meyer. Yeah. I mean, the, the 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 Kirk McCoy dialogue is so spot on that you know, damn it, Jim, yeah, you know, yeah, why yeah. are we treating this like a funeral? And then you know, yeah. of course, tell me what you really think, Bones. I mean. Star Trek dialogue has never sung like that. It is yeah. it is beyond spot on. 
It's yeah. funny though, because I was, I had a note on this, like Bones is like smashing him in the face. You're running from yourself. You're hiding. And he's like, don't mince words, Bones. Yeah. And I was what like, really he's think? not yeah. mincing. Like yeah. you're not exactly. listening. <laughs> but it's funny without being jokey, which maybe, totally. you know, creeps into some of the later ones, unfortunately. Like it's honestly just a great character line. Yeah. yeah. Ab absolutely. All right. So we go from here to finally the USS Reliant. Woo. The idea of seeing this ship. So it was built by ILM. It was the first ever non-Constitution class uh, ship to be in the Star Trek series. The design was flipped after Bennett accidentally opened and approved the preliminary Reliant designs upside down. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Classic. such a cool design. It's, yeah, it so, it's so amazing. It's so wonderful. And mm. we know the guy who owns it. Oh yeah! Excuse yeah. me. Is he yeah. on the Zoom? Or is he with us? Is the guy who's in? No. He is not on the Zoom. <laughs> he, is, he is not. He's out here in England with me. But yeah, he has the. Real oh, life. that's yeah. great! Amazing. Wow. Give you a hint. He hosts his own Dune podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you got the money from. I mean, that's that's right. Like, right. He hosts the most successful Dune podcast. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Brexit really helped Dune Pods after yeah. <laughs> after they split from the EU regulation. Exactly. It's uh, what what? How big is it? How big is the real? I mean, it's uh, a yeah. The studio, the studio scale. So I mean, and what's the the saucer's like? Eighteen inches? Would you say, Dave? Some sixteen mm. to eighteen inches, right? Yeah, Probably I was right going to kind of go like this. But yeah, yeah, bigger than that. Yeah, it's a big piece of business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently, they like the Reliant model better than the one that they were reusing of the Enterprise from the first one, which apparently required a forklift um, to be able to. Move. Move. Okay. Um, wow. But all of this was shot with the Dykstra vision cameras uh, system that John Dykstra had come up. Let me just quick backtrack to the um, no going back. The Only prop the future. No, no. The prop the prop store auction. There was a uh, lot twelve fourteen light up replica studio scale seventeen oh one went on day three oh. for for twenty eight thousand. Like what? It, what does that mean? What is what is this model of the enterprise that goes for twenty eight grand as opposed to a million dollars or whatever? I'm guessing because it's just you know it is purely a replica. Somebody who's just you know really done a good job making one. Yeah, yeah. It's just, honestly it's, a copy. It's, yeah. It's, oh, that's it. They just made a copy of it. Scratch built. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably, probably at that number, I would say scratch built. It would it would have to be. Yeah. It looks incredible. Mm. It's all light up and stuff. It looked amazing. But okay, all right, very good. Mm. Seeing Chekhov here, seeing uh, Captain Terrell. Played by Paul Winfield from our Terminator episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, just so great to see him. I love him um, in this. He's great. He really is great. He gives like sort of concerned command very well. Like he, mm. like he's just like like his overall vibe is just like all this bullshit. Can you believe I'm still in <laughs> Starfleet after all these years dealing with this, going down to this place? He's got to find some planet with no shit on. Like this is what is this job even? Like he's he really gives a lot with very little lines. Uh, no, it's huge. It's it's also there's something love. I mean, obviously they needed a crew member, although I guess technically Chekhov didn't meet him. It wasn't in the show and didn't meet him in Space Seed, but they needed an mm. Enterprise crew member. But it did make a certain amount of sense that the youngest crew member right. from the Enterprise would be on another ship, that these people wouldn't all be together. I thought that was really neat. Yeah. And, you know, kudos for something that I don't think anybody necessarily was thinking or not thinking, but it's a black captain of a ship right. without mm. anyone ever going, Hey, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a black captain. Like yeah, there's, yeah, it yeah, just sure. is. 
is. Which yeah, yeah. I, I just you know just we cast a great actor. The end. I, I do appreciate that. Well, yeah. no. So is this a continuity error where Chekhov wasn't in Space Seed, or you correct? Just wasn't, oh, which is not I on believe, not on right. screen, not on no, screen. No, I thought Jesus he. Christ. Isn't that from the season? Isn't that no, no? But I mean, I, whether or not he was there for the season, Chekhov was there. He just was off the episode. No, because Chekhov, <laughs> Chekhov wasn't there from no, the beginning. No, Chekhov got added. I think yeah, in the Chekhov second season, and I think he that's was the added, first space seed of season two. Oh, it is. Then he's. But All they right, didn't. The then they didn't. Then they didn't meet. I, I know All it's right. an error. I can't remember what the rule of the error is. <laughs> they he when he goes, I never forget a face. That is that's incorrect. Correct. <laughs> I'm gonna I, I'm gonna <laughs> allow that it happened off screen. Uh, uh, and that there was some <laughs> moment where you know Chekhov might have been guarding the you know guarding the the prisoner. Or whatever. I believe at some point there was a sort of fandom explanation, which was that Khan had been studying the records of the Enterprise yeah. because he Out hated them so much, right. waiting oh, for his vengeance and whatnot. I mean, oh, and therefore had, le- right, had learned their faces <laughs> from the files, so he never forgets a face, even though we never met. Uh, take it as you will. In theory, as possibly the creator of a genre television show that gets some internet discussion, <laughs> <laughs> where is the fandom that makes the excuses for the, the issues? <laughs> Can you tell me that's, which? That's like the old Marvel no prize. You know, you used to get the no prize if you yeah. pointed out an error and then explained why it was okay. The okay. Hulk is purple because the sun was in an yeah. eclipse that day, so yeah. the Hulk right. was Very purple. Good. You win a yeah. you win a no prize. Yeah, yeah. I would like. <laughs> Sorry, to, Ryan. I would like to find that Dune podcast that makes <laughs> the excuses. Yeah. Con, Con met Chekhov when they enjoyed a Starbucks coffee. Off, off, uh, <laughs> they walked by each other in a hallway. The, yeah. <gasps> Oh my God. All right. So um, we also get quickly the introduction of Carol Marcus and David and this the seed planted that David doesn't really trust Starfleet. So I like this, Dave. You talked about this, um, this, this notion of the militarization place. But I want to kick into SETI Alpha 6, the landing. Obviously, the computer records, Jason, and the mm-hmm. the astrophysics, uh, you On know, point. libraries screwed up no, for sure. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. But th- this notion <laughs> And by the way, I should point this out for those listening right now. Uh, Planet Earth is slowly turning into SETI Alpha 6. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. So exactly. good news for everybody. We're soon going to get to live that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had that realization a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. <laughs> um, so so them being down on the planet, yes, this was a practical set where they were blasting uh, everything there. The, the Chekhov and uh, Terrell, they had to raise their hands when they wanted to get more oxygen uh, because they couldn't breathe inside the suits. Love that for them. And those are painted spacesuits from motion picture. Mm-hmm. They are suits. Uh, Oh. Yeah, but this notion when he sees Botany Bay, he doesn't really notice uh, Moby Dick is there on the shelf. But Chekhov's reaction, his fear, and then just the score here um, is so incredible. And then we see Khan and his crew. Jason, they look like Fremen. Yeah, they do. I thought that same thing. They look like they look like the the Fade at Keen coming out of the dark. They look awesome. That's another scene when we were talking about this being TV. Like, I guess sort of like the whip, like kind of feels like maybe it'd be a TV, but like, it looks so cool. Guys, I apologize. My lawyer has a cease and desist. Uh, you cannot use the word Fremen anymore. That is the property of mine and Ryan's Dune podcast. I'm sorry. So you're gonna have to edit that out, okay? The desert yeah. people. The, the, uh, just yeah, clean the, that out. Just just to, just erase. Yeah, thank you. I mean, thank you for editing. Yeah, the, it did look it did look really cool. I, quite, I don't, I did not rewatch Space Seed, 
Is the Moby Dick stuff in that as well? Is that uh, like a, so he has old books, right? Yeah, and he, re- he actually makes this wonderful Paradise Lost reference at the end of it. It's probably the it's the most mm-hmm. literary point of the episode, and it's actually it's actually ironic because oh, interesting. Be- and this is one of the retcons that I love in the story is that it's Khan it, blames Kirk for being sent to this like horrible prison planet, but it actually wasn't meant to be that. They were right. they were right. sent to this. Right. Well, it's the he didn't never your admiral never thought to check on us. Yeah, I mean, right. Sort of, and it was yeah, he, he was he was sent to Eden really to, right. to you know to create a new you know new planet and 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 whatever, and it went hor- horribly wrong. And I think Kirk at the end of that episode even has sort of a sense of like. It'll be very interesting to see what they come up with. That's his attitude. Right, yeah, he's like, oh, like, like, like we'll just them. we'll leave them there, and <laughs> yeah, it, it, it might be fascinating. I mean, it, it's, like, it's definitely not it's a like punishment. Yeah, yeah. But but Con <laughs> quotes Con quotes Milton at the wow. end of the episode and talks about. Um, I, I forget the first quote that he uses, but the second is you know better better to rain in hell, than, rain, in hell. Uh, rain in hell. Oh uh, wow! In heaven. Yeah, and it given where it ends up. Yeah, he actually is. You know, he is. You know, nine days they out. fell. You know, falling. Yeah. You know, the the, right. the the fire and falling. You know, falling, falling into hell and having to be reborn and crawling back up to Eden, which is the you know the right. civilization and Earth like, and the yeah uh, and the and in the reliant. I mean, it, and again, you know, it's brilliant writing. I don't know if any of this stuff was really intentional in it, but I just I I love that. And 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 anyway, and I, I was also going to say the Botany Bay. Here's an Easter egg that actually means something instead of just okay. being a stupid, eh, there's that thing from the old show. It actually ties in. Right. It's, it's a, a ref- moment. It's an actual thing of, oh my God, we have to get out of here yes. as opposed right, to right, right, right. blue milk for the 18th yes, time right, or whatever. Right. And it's a reward <laughs> to the fans that know the original series. They are now dramatically ahead of the fans in the theater that do not know the original And by series. the way, let's go one step further. You don't have to have watched that episode and know that the Enterprise crew member, I can't remember her name, falls in love with Khan and goes with him and joins the crew to appreciate that when she's dead, because you can enjoy it as his wife is dead. But also, if you know Space Seed, you also can double appreciate it because, oh, that character, again, name I can't remember, is dead and she was so important in that episode. And so some of that is Khan's motivation, but Mm. there is a, again, there's an Easter egg quality to it, but not an Easter egg for Easter egg's sake, which again is just wonderful correct mm-hmm. and it really it really ties it in and, and it it's not doing it's owning all of the things that you saw in space seed so it's not doing any of this real retconning of like well that didn't actually happen and it happened this way it's it's owning all of it and actually using it to make the story better and i would say you know she was the one superhuman that went down to that planet that or one person that went down to that planet that was not a superhuman and that probably you know it right. hindered her survival chances when it turned into paradise mm-hmm. lost mm-hmm. also great eugenics story storyline guys there's yeah. a real a space seed has a real tie-in to to the uh the movie that will not be named uh, <laughs> they were really obsessed with eugenics they, were, they really they really thought that was coming in the 1960s what was that was that left over from world war ii world is that war like II. is that like nazi yeah. panic splitting sort of? the sort of nazi and, yeah. kind of okay. ad nauseum yeah 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 <laughs> i blame yeah. the x-men um so so let's just talk about montalban here so um you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about things that shouldn't work, but that do. Right. And starting from the moment, just with him undressing the music as he's taking off his gear and just the the menace that is in there. And then his performance 
through this whole thing, how he starts out calm, he blows up with, of course, this is any help of life. And and then we get to the freaking eels. Um, these were done, uh, the music here, as these eels are, are making their moves on their faces and whatnot, climbing to their ears, a very evocative of alien. Uh, yeah. of aliens. Um, but also the sound effects too. It's the combo of that music and that, I don't know what to call it, high pitched. Yeah, <laughs> but also the squeal sound, yeah, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. as, they're, as they're burrowing in, it just like, like hits your spine in a mm. great way. And that's yeah. probably the reason that I didn't like this movie as a kid because I felt right. I really, really had Too a much. hard time getting past that scene. Yeah. Um, it really, really creeped me. And that was done by ILM legend Ken Ralston, uh, who had just been working on uh, on Empire before that. Just really, really amazing. So in their new pacified state, Chekhov calls regular one, uh, saying that Kirk ordered Genesis being taken. I love the fact that he's like, Khan's telling him what to say off screen, um, him saying that, and then this idea that, uh, you know, he's laid the bait. Now for sure, Kirk is going to come uh, and check it out. We go from there to Kirk's inspection. So first of all, the shuttle flyby of the Enterprise in this film is five minutes faster than the six and a half minute flyby in the motion picture. the three hour flyby in motion picture, which again, as a child, not a screenwriter yet, I sat there and was like, why is this so long? I mean, just like, like, can't I did, I did this for the first time. Like I didn't know what it meant, but I was just like, can we trim that? Yeah. <laughs> I had no problem when I saw that motion picture in the theater. Like I was so stoked after seeing those. I mean, just to on, see it on a big screen. Yeah. Just to see it no, there. No, uh, I was, I was endless, so nostalgic. Yeah. Um, so Kirk comes on and he goes straight to Scotty's nephew, engineer mate, Peter Preston. But we don't know. He's, we don't know yeah. he's his nephew. We only know the nephew. If you, the, Watch the, the ABC, ABC cut. cut, the extended <laughs> cut or the novelization. So that's uh-huh. where you know, he's the nephew. Yeah. Peter Preston. Yeah. Played by Ike Eisenman from Escape from Witch Mountain. Yep. Oh, sort of a thinking man's Jackie Earl Haley, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's the kind of gold I promised you guys tonight. I know, it's here. <laughs> by the way, this is going to be a 10-hour episode. You That's realize fine. You're not, we're not going to get anywhere. We're going to be up That's to great. scene three as we hit the Let's go. Mark. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, Spock is a great mentor. I love him having his secret, uh, you know, Vulcan jokes with uh, Savick. Um, and then him having her take out uh, the Enterprise, which reminded me of, um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, Starship Troopers, right? With, um, oh, yeah. With oh, right. Yes. Yeah. It's a little more dramatic when she's taking it out and flipping the switch right, right, at the right. last second. But yeah. um, I did, I, I, I flashed on that too because I'm like, oh, is she gonna hit the side of the thing? Is she gonna like? Is she gonna, like, is she gonna scrape the side of the Enterprise on the space dock? Continuing theme though, youth versus yes. experience, and yeah. it's a yes. training training voyage, and Kirk having to nose his way into this thing and reminding us that this is about there's this new generation coming in in Star Trek, and like Kirk is kind of past you know past his prime, and he's got it you know he's he's got a saddle, he's nervous, he's got to saddle up again. Right. He's nervous, he's nervous over on the side, right? I completely agree. And it's sort of almost like normally Spock should be in that seat and Kirk mm-hmm. can sort of deal with that. Mm-hmm. But then when Spock decides not to take her out of space dock, right. you get that sense that Kirk would like him to say, Admiral, why don't you take us out of space right. dock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. no, 
it's the kid. It's the, yeah. you know, and I think it helps that, you know, after whatever, you know, multiple years, three years of regular Star Trek, that it is also an attractive woman, which normally is what Kirk is obviously right. attracted to. Mm-hmm. But in this case, sort of a threat, an arrival in a strange way. I mean, I know they sort of flirt a little bit, but you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. just something interesting that he wants to be the one taking it out. And then I'm backing up for four seconds. Look at the camera work when that scene breaks up after Kirk comes aboard, mm-hmm. where the way they kind of come around and then go on uh, Spock's back and then yeah. as Savik comes up to him. And then the other thing I was going to call out is, you know, the nobody's perfect. That's uh, that's some like it hot. But you don't understand, Osgood. Uh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. So, you know, he's sort uh, of referencing uh, sort of one of the all-time great, you know, I'm a man, nobody's perfect, nobody's which is perfect. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, just a, I mean, it's a wonderful little reference in there just to throw it in. That's so, wild. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Wow. Shout out to the cellulite closet again, which references that scene is the only way. That's the only reason I know that scene is because I haven't seen something like it hot, but I've seen cellulite closet like 17 <laughs> Holy times. Christ. Go watch <laughs> it. Right this yeah. this uh, podcast is over. Go rent, <laughs> go rent a room at the Del Coronado Hotel down yeah. in, in there you uh, go. Coronado and watch something yeah. like hot. Go right. to Times Square to <laughs> Just Beta and get yourself okay, a beta on, copy me, of Some on, Like It Hot. Yes. We're going kayak real quick yeah. so that I can get it sorted out. Hmm. <laughs> Well, sticking on the Kirk and Savick vibe here, when she jumps on the elevator. That's weird. There's some strange body language in That's that the scene. flirting scene. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm yeah. saying. There's definitely yeah. some of that old what is she Kirk wearing? magic. <laughs> that old Kirk magic. I don't know. You tell me. Uh, it's like almost wearing... like a karate gi or something. The, oh, Space pajamas. I thought she was. Yeah, I thought she was going to the spa floor. Like, I wondered like if a, it was supposed to be a newer version of like the Vulcan prayer stuff that we've occasionally uh, seen. That didn't have, look that didn't look prayerish to me. You know, there was some, something worshipful. different happening. Well, obviously she's done something with her hair. I had noticed. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. still regulation. Yeah. Uh, this is, by the way, two years before she would do the sci-fi classic Runaway, uh, which we will oh, definitely yeah, be which doing. We'll definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> the alternate reality where she comes back. Mm. Um, as Savic in three and and or I guess was it Valeris was that the name whatever of the part her name in, is uh, in six right the yeah. Kim Cattrall Kim role. Yeah, yeah yeah god damn it I mean and Kim Cattrall did a fine job and you know Kim Robin Cattrall. Curtis did a fine job too but I do think you you put her in both of those movies and those movies are that much better anyway yeah I agree yeah. Yeah. yeah oh man uh, so this is. Um, you know, we get the report that Carol, you know, is calling for him. And when Bones makes the little joke about it, never rains a report, he is, Kirk is pissed. pissed. He snaps. I, mean, like, I don't he, yeah, he, need this shit, Bones. Yeah. I don't need you like making fun of my ex. Like this is a complicated situation. We don't talk very often. Just but it's, it but again, you know, just again, both performance and writing, you get that moment, which is very explicit. Mm-hmm. But then just the way Nimoy in that later scene, when they're going to watch, uh, when they, you know, it would help me if I knew what Genesis was yeah, yeah. and she pops up the yeah. way he goes, Carol Marcus, Carol, Carol Marcus. Marcus. And that, again, that up, that upturn and you just go, there's so much, you know, built into History. that where yeah. 
you don't have to tell us he was she was the one that got away or right. all of these yeah. things and yet you know all of it and yeah. again you just think of how many bad movies would spend we were going to get married but i couldn't do you know and like yeah. all this just nonsense and we know how heartbroken he is yeah. and yet the road not taken and which of course obviously a big part of this movie it's all there but with just um, such minimalness mm. oh, god yeah i like it when carol marcus pops up to explain how the genesis device works because it's sort of like okay sharks we're offering two percent of the genesis device for three million dollars it can transform a dead planet into a living hellscape like it's just so it's like it's a a really killer pitch deck that she's got it's a great pitch and by the way i've created life (laughs) the digital genesis at the time was about the best the best thing i had ever seen best thing i've ever seen So about that, uh, this was cinema's very first entirely computer-generated uh, sequence. It beat Tron by three weeks. Oh yeah, I was going to say I thought Tron. Yeah, and this was this was a, a particle physics uh, technique that was used, created by Lucasfilm's computer graphics division, led by At- Ed Catmull, who oh, would then go Pixar. on to co-found Pixar. Yeah. yeah, good for him. Go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, no, I was another just brilliant piece of exposition, you know, disguises character, David mm. Marcus arguing with his mother about Genesis and the, you know, weaponizing, you know, the military weaponizing science and yeah. all that. And, and yeah. sliding in there in his rage, the, the, the point that Genesis, even though it's a life-giving thing, it could be used as a weapon. So really yeah. setting the stakes and, and now keying us in, this is why Khan wants this thing. Right. And then McCoy... And Spock almost have like a reflection of that argument themselves. Yeah, yes. even right right now, yeah, yeah. Here comes Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it in six hours. So yeah, great. Bones. Bones yeah. really gets worked up about this situation. He like mm. he, his Ian Malcolm speech. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he really in favor it. of the new Matrix. It's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Now I'm picturing Bones like with his shirt off, you know, with his drip jacket, you know, doing the hand pose. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So now we get to the Reliant closing uh, with the Enterprise. And so now oh, it's- This is good. This is good. Hello. This, yeah. Oh my God. They really let this play out too, because you know it's a problem and it really plays out. And the music is so great here. So Can it's, we talk it's about time, the music now? Oh, yeah. It's time to talk about Degas. Time for Take- Horner's Horns. All right, so they could not afford Jerry Goldsmith, so they turned to this unknown 28-year-old who had done one movie, Wolfen, Jason. We were just talking about this. We just talked about Wolfen. Uh, Gregory Hines coming soon uh, to the pod. But Wolfen, 48 hours, something wicked this way comes. Crawl, Brainstorm, Star Trek Three, Commando, Aliens, oh Captain God. EO, Willow, Red Heat, Field of Dreams, Glory, I Love You to Death, The Rocketeer, Sneakers, Braveheart, Apollo 13, Titanic, Avatar, Spider-Man No Way Home. This guy. This This fucking guy. insane. Yeah. Yeah, he's in there. He's up there. This is, this, that was my first note in all of my notes was the score is unreal. Like, because like from from the credit sequence, you're just like, this is the best Star Trek's ever sounded. Just yeah. like the like this is this is ridiculous. Like it's an, it feels innately Star Trek without it being like the classic Star Trek. It's all cues. new stuff. Yeah. It's all new and it's incredible. Yeah. Both the the Genesis so life giving stuff, the Kirk stuff. Obviously, the Khan stuff is ultra iconic. 
uh, so percussive. Were, just... I wonder if fans were pissed at the time, like, cause they didn't get to hear, you know, like, like, I wonder if like there were fans were pissed or if like we were chilling back. In I was not pissed. I feel like, I mean, again, I can't speak to, you know, the insane fans of the time, but boy, it, to me, it just jumped out at you just instantly how good the score was. Even when, you know, again, I wasn't thinking about score. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just was mm -hmm. like, wow. And that combination of, you know, again, it's funny. We, uh, I told this to Ryan uh, a little earlier. I saw John Williams last night at the Hollywood Bowl here in mm. LA. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. The, wow. the king of, and he talks a little bit about characters having themes and obviously in this, this, this wonderful themes in this, but then also this thing, you know, they call the Mickey mousing, which is when the score kind of underlines the moments in mm -hmm. like of action on the screen. And it, I mean, he's doing it all in there. I just, it's, it's, it's just, it's perfect God. score for perfect movie. So yeah. I think I'm going to listen to it all day. Mm. I think I'm just going to, I think I'm going <laughs> to have to jam out with it for a while. I was playing it in the pre-show uh, in the Discord, and people, like Buddha was freaking out. She's like, "It's giving me anxiety. It's too intense." Oh, is it? Uh, mm. Yeah, it's so so good. My 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 writing hack. I'm a terrible writer, but I occasionally have to do it. And like the and I cannot listen to dialogue at all. But I listen to Philip Glass on like pretty, pretty <laughs> much repeat because somehow that like activates some like flow state for my brain of just like the do 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 do. I just like start like I don't know davening or something, and like that allows the word to come out but this might be the is it more of a, is it a sense of like i've got to finish this so i can turn Sorry. that off <laughs> is that what you're going for <laughs> i have to get out of this yeah like please let it finish <laughs> <laughs> why did i put this on oh my god yeah. i have to <laughs> get <laughs> it done <laughs> yes but i'm just gonna say and i know we're jumping ahead but when you get to the back end and we're kind of playing in the Mutari Nebula and, you know, who, yeah. where is he? Where are they? Whatever. And mm. that sort of reliant con, da -da 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 -da, you know, every time yeah. it kind of yeah. creeps in and whatever. I mean, just, just so perfect. And then that last shot of the Enterprise coming in and it's all, they're great shots, but they are so underlined perfectly by the music. Oh, man. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Incredible. Uh, we have, of course, uh, the iconic, uh, you know, revenge is a dish best served cold. It is very cold in space. And fire. It just watching the Enterprise, you know, brand new, beautiful ship just getting torn apart. Um, and seeing like some of these explosions are quite brutal. Uh, really brutal. There's the a real people sense. People are on fire uh, inside that ship. Yeah. Special effects wise. It, it feels like someone gave a note. I've, I would love to ask Nick Meyer this. This was actually a question I'd love to ask Nick Meyer. It feels like the decision was made that when the, when what whatever uh, the, the not the phasers, right? No, not mm -hmm. phasers. What, Proton phasers? Torpedoes? torpedoes? No, well, when they hit the Enterprise, uh -huh. yeah. they're like tearing the skin yeah. of it. Almost yeah, almost like yeah. a, a body. Visceral. Like yeah. blood and getting cut. Like a scalpel. You feel the yeah. wound, yes. Yeah. Mm. I agree. It's like, and it again goes to like the submarineish nature of it because you feel sort of like, oh, it's a this delicate fabric that's like kind of stretched across this ship, and like yeah. once it gets like, once it gets punctured, they're going to be in real jeopardy here and taking on water. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And by the way, just to throw this into, and you get more of it obviously later, but even just here, the way the 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 spaceship action is shot, mm -hmm. I would put this above yes. any episode in the history of the show and any star trek movie it is the best those ships have ever there's a feeling that they are big and they move a certain way and yet it never goes so wide that like it feels fake you know like mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. times they go so wide with like next gen it just feels very 
I don't know. This just you you feel the models. It feels like they yeah. are real ships. You know, just again another great perfect. Line. And in the yeah. in the Nebula stuff, it's one of the rare places in Star Trek and a lot of like science fiction space battle stuff anywhere where they concede the fact that like the Z axis is arbitrary in space. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, that's in, that's the incredible thing. Much in the way Khan doesn't think three dimensionally, it sometimes to me felt like like the, the next gen producers didn't either. That always right. kind of <laughs> ironically. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. Now the one but, additional the one additional thing you could do besides just sort of thinking three dimensionally is accept the fact that there's no reason that the ships need to be oriented to the same. Right. Plane. They could be certainly. Upside right. down or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so right. you could do that. You could do that too. Someone will think four eventually <laughs> at some point. Smart, smart. Um, so, so this notion, uh, you know, Khan is ready for surrender, and just him appearing and Kirk's reaction to all of this, um, and the fact that he is already running a scheme like instantly uh, from the moment Khan talks about Genesis. And him plotting it out. So he gives a terrible line. Genesis, what's that? Like it's just like it's like, dude, this is this is but not when he, believable. But when he says, "Please, you have to give me time. Our computers are smashed." You know, like um, yeah, he he sells that. Running slow. But yeah, I think like a, there's an I think there's an element, and again, I'm, maybe I'm going out on a limb here. I think there's an element that yeah, no, there's this guy. He's trying to kill me, and our ship just got you know just completely effed up. Yeah, and. So, a little bit of Shat, uh, not Shatner, but a little bit of Kirk has never been happier. Like yeah, I, yeah. I would argue that somewhere in there, like this is horrible. This is pretty cool. Like, like, like <laughs> there's a little element of that. And I can't tell you that Shatner's doing it on purpose, but there's a little of that in there, in the bad acting, in the stalling, in whatever. Yeah. And again, mm. he is tap dancing, trying to figure it out, but yeah. It's like the blood is cooking again. You know what I mean? It's like I like I like like there's a vitality to it all. And prefix code, it's all we've got is just to me <laughs> yeah. one of the yeah. I just again another perfect writing meets perfect reads. It's perfect, but it's yeah. It, it's it's a so, Brian. Yeah. It's a bit of a deus ex machina, right? Like the notion that just with six codes that are on the computer system, you Listen, can shut down any starship. That seems they like didn't a problem. know about they didn't know about SSL back in 1982. <laughs> this is the best they could do. They didn't know they didn't have any other. I don't ideas. argue it takes advantage <laughs> of the VPN. fact that they are on the same side. So sure. Why sure. would yeah. that not work? But We're yes, one yeah. big happy family. Yeah. I just yeah. I would advocate for tightening your security procedures. Um, <laughs> yes. um, I'm sure that was I, in the after act. This is I the kind of issues that we will get into in Star Trek Admiralty and like, yeah. how, like who's in charge of the IC department. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I, I just enjoy that just from a, a screenwriting movie telling structure, the fact that they leave the hero ship adrift and seemingly disabled mm -hmm. uh, one quarter of the way into the second act. Yeah. Is, yeah. I mean, that that's a like, that's a end of the second act problem. And if it's, it's that bad here, how much worse is this going to get for the enterprise? And I just love, Oh, that's an excellent they're, point. They're, yeah. They're sort wow. of taking, mm. they're sort of taking the outs off the table. This is not going to be an easy, uh, sp right. smooth spoon fed applesauce kind of ride for you. Buckle. Yeah. Up. Yes. I was actually, that's a really good point. I was surprised about that in this watching. I was like, oh, they just got effed up. Yeah. Like this is like, this. They, you know, there's like a whole big hole in the thing and they're just like limping away. And Scotty's nephew dying here as yeah. opposed to say a point, like yeah. if he end, died yeah. in act three, who the, who cares at that point? I mean, who right. cares anyway, here, Dave, Right. But. Well, he, a little who cares, <laughs> but here, but here it, it feels representative of the collateral damage. Yeah. He stayed at his post. Yeah. 
when the train needs a man. Like that's one of the all time. Bo's doing the absolute minimum to save this kid, though. Like, try a second wavy device. He like, immediately puts the co- he puts the cover anything. right over him. Do anything else. <laughs> try CPR. What about yeah, that Retinox stuff? Try that <laughs> Retinox. I mean, that could maybe that would have done something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> try the Romulan ale. Anything. Something. Yeah, but again, you know, a theme again. You know, the trainees ran. The experienced guy stayed at his post. And it's about, you know, mm. it's this clash of culture on the ship. And how is this, you know, we've taken all these kids into battle. And how is this going to go for us? And, you know, Kirk's mm. experience beating out, you know, Savik's, you know, knowledge of the code and regulation, whatever. Yeah, you know, again, it, 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 it's not, it, it's in every scene, but it's not beating you over the head, which I love. Effortless. Yeah. And when they do it, they, they make... They make hay of it in a great way so that when they decide to go down to the planet and, you know, and she goes, you know, he goes, you know, go right on quoting regulations. And then she says, whatever, you know, no uh, flag staff are allowed yeah, down yeah. without a security guard. And he goes, there's no such regulation. They are having fun. Yeah, 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 but yeah, again, yeah. with what you're talking about, Ryan, it's all there, the new, the old, whatever. They're having fun. So it never seems like drudgery, but it's just, again, baked in. It's just, oh, mm. it's, yeah. yeah. I do like this little moment where we have them down on regular one and we get a little horror movie uh, focus, right? Where we've got the yeah. scanners, uh, which were used effectively in Alien and then even more in Alien. By the way, I will point this out if anyone ever reads the novelization the con like killing the the crew of regular one like yeah. jetta and the people oh. that stay yeah, behind yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. is okay. is really brutal in the novelization what is that? Wow. i don't think they, they ever shot the it there's a lot i mean it's a lot of just like bleeding them out and shit but you know what i mean oh, it's but it's I like definitely it. i it, my young me remembers really being freaked out like they really whoever the author was he like tortured went those for people it. vonda mcintyre maybe <laughs> the author but uh yeah they really went for it these yeah. space nazis are yeah. brutal uh <laughs> yeah they um uh it reminded me very much of predator actually when they find yeah you know when oh, they the find walking into the hand like yeah. the and the it's bats. very it's yeah. so visceral right yeah. when bones is like sliding his hands on the on the bloody arms or whatever yeah. it's just it's but horrible. also that one read jim you know, just yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. But Terrell, Terrell is great here. You know, uh, you know, he went crazy. He slit their throats. Like his delivery yeah. is, is amazing. Yeah. I will say rip to that scientist red shirt who got completely torched because David <laughs> duck. But so yeah. now we go, we go down to the regular cave. And again, this is, this is really awesome. I mean, so obviously, you know, the big moment here is, you know, him saying, you know, I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you. And I wish to go on. I shall leave you as you left me. As you left her. No, but you gotta go like this. As you, you as you left me. As you left her. As you left her. You gotta, you gotta, you <laughs> gotta hit the. As you left as you her. Left, yeah. yeah. Marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet, buried alive, buried alive. Come! And of course, the, the requisite con. The requisite con. This is, I mean, this is two really big actors going. This is like a, this is a heavyweight bout of like, of guys really liking to chew some lines. It's, it's a pretty. I, I was just, I was going to ask Jason, who, who digested and processed more scenery in this movie? <laughs> was it Kirk or was it Montalban? I mean, I mean was it Kirk or was it Khan? I think Shatner it's Khan. I mean, I mean, like just because even in little moments, Khan is giving it 
10,000%. Like one, one note that I had is when he finds out that Kirk is an admiral and he's like, admiral, 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 like it's a, it's, he go, he makes a whole meal of like one word. And yes. it's like, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And the but other why one, does it work? Why isn't it I, ridiculous? I, that's what's so fascinating to me. It's like, they're so big. And yet some of it is just the way it's shot that like somehow yeah. the shooting isn't amplifying the bigness. It just sort of allow it, it sort of, it happens in very sort of normal breathing shots and I, somehow it works, you know, but, mm. but, but he's not, I feel like Nick Meyer isn't trying to do too much. You know, he's not pushing in as right. they're being yeah. giant yeah. and doing things like that <laughs> that I think would ruin it. Yes. But, you know, there's not a lot of like, you know, crazy up angles and Dutch stuff angles. that like, yeah, exactly. That would, that would like turn it into something. And it's, I don't know, it, it does just kind of work. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. even like the scene of like, he stayed at his post when the others ran, like that whole thing, like it's a lot, but it's so consistent with the genre of like a, a submarine disaster or horn blower, you know, ships, of, ships of the line at, at war. Like you just kind of buy it. The other, the other. Mongoban, it's fast too, right? Like it's, it's like that, that is not drawn out with a 20 second no, monologue from Scotty. It's just like it's one fast. line and you get it. Yeah, it's relatively fast. The other one that I noticed this time from Montalban, and I don't even know what it means, or like what, like I, the, I don't even recognize the syntax of the sentence, is like he says, like where his, his like second is like Lieutenant is trying to tell him, like, dude, like let's just go deal with something else. Like this whole Kirk situation is really you're you got that crazy look in your eye. We should go deal with. You know, he, tasks he, tasks he tasks me. He tasks me. And, and I, I will have, have him. him. What? Yeah, I've never heard tasks used as a verb in that. I assume it's in Moby Dick. So the line, I, you know, I'll chase him around the moons of Nibia and round Antares Maelstrom yeah. and round That's British not flames before I give That's him not... up. No, that is. It's adapted. No, no, it's adapted. It, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's a different. I mean, no, no. It, it's, it's a, a literal cut and paste of that exact sentence that Ahab says. But the round, the, the ships of yeah. the, the, the he maelstrom. He put on Philip's glass and filled in the Mad Lips. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. And gotcha. it worked. My God, it, it just, it works so well. I got to uh, read this Moby Dick. It seems pretty good. <laughs> is I, that I, on I audiobook? I got to look into this. There's a whale involved. Is that what I'm going to understand? <laughs> but I mean, this is where the movie though gets just so cooking because you have this just brutal space fight. And then he goes down to the, you know, the cave, which in theory is sort of a break, but then all of a sudden he's, you know, is that David? You know, he's fighting right. with the son he clearly knew about, but has never spoken of to yeah. anyone. Right. And it's like, he's being torn. It's like this personal scene is as brutal as the space battle we just saw. And it has the perfect, the line in there where he basically, you know, where she says to him, you know, what are you thinking? And he basically goes, there's a guy up there. It's been, you know, I haven't seen in 15 years. It wants to kill me. And you show me a son that wants to join him. That's the movie. That's what am I, what am I feeling? Yeah. What am I feeling? Yeah. Old. Yeah. yeah. Worn out. Yeah. This shot is a wonner. This entire delivery from Carol asking him and his entire response is a wonner. I could not yeah. believe it. Yeah. Phenomenal. Can, can I just say David sort of sucks though? Like I do feel, I do feel. <laughs> really, I, I disagree. Do, I actually really? love that actor. I really uh, like I, that no, actor. No, 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 no. Yeah. I don't mind the actor. I think the okay. character, I think the character, I'm just like this fucking guy. Like he's like, <laughs> he's just like, I'm just like, just chill. Like no one's trying to steal No, see, I'm going to disagree. Experience. I'm going to fight you okay. on this. Here's right, why. Good. Because 
it's the he it's a it's the Kirk blood that has right. decided to be a scientist, but he's right. probably not a scientist because right, he's right, a right. Kirk. Right. And I actually think it's all I, I don't know. I think it's all there. I think that's what he's playing. I know that's that's my I, argument. I, li yeah. I do like the I like the genetics argument about it, and I like his little kangaroo pouch on his smock that he's got <laughs> going on. And his, <laughs> And his and his uh, soul glow perm situation. Yes, I think. I'm, I'm supportive of all of that. I do like the away team costumes. I have to say the costumes. Yes, the jackets. The jackets yes. on point. Ooh. Yes. Mm. Well, so so, so now uh, hold on. A couple of things I want to throw in there just for just to, I want to say the actor Meryl Buttrick, who was Johnny Slash on Square Pegs, and okay. I think unfortunately died young. And then the other thing I want to take some credit for. If for Seinfeld fans is we did all of the con yes. on the Seinfeld yeah. and that's stuff I wrote and put into there. So I yes. have to put that's that into Seinfeld. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the best fact that will ever be uttered on this on this <laughs> all the pod all pod. the Susan uh, all the Susan the stuff to Susan's parents after she dies. Uh, <laughs> You know, she's not gone. If we remember all of that, that's all me. So I forgot amazing. to, I forgot to read it in prep or to watch it in prep for this. Uh, that's this amazing. Recording. That's Damn so it. good. Can I say Whew. that Kirk is a little bit of a dick that he knows that like, they're not going to die in this, in this moon cave, but yes. doesn't tell anyone. He knows that they're fine in 90 minutes or whatever, but everyone else is like, I guess this is the cave where I'm going to die. Like he, he looks <laughs> he at his watch. He like, looks ah. at his watch for Literally a second. His watch. He doesn't yeah. say anything. Yep. <laughs> they, yeah. You got punked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you called it out, David, that moment when he, oh, when he yeah. says, you know, I don't like to lose Spock times up. It's been two hours. Yeah. And boom, they are back. They're up and running when they get into the transporter bay and the music is now cooking. The music a cooks and the and basically you're not even like, you're just hearing these words, you know, as they peer and they, you know, it's like hours instead of minutes, minutes instead yeah. of hours, blah, 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 blah. And it's like yeah. putting the jacket on, what's working here? And you are like, We're, let's go, let's go, yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's, a, there's a cadet who receives his jacket and puts on his new jacket. I like that person. Uh, is this a, the first time job. they did the gag where they're talking as they're yes. reforming on the other end of the transporter? Is that that's that? I, I it is a really good gag. Meyer wanted that uh, because in the series it was always just a flat shot. It was a still shot, and then they would fade it out and bring it in. And right. he wanted them to be in the midst of conversation, uh, which works so well. So well. Yeah. yeah. I always get nervous when people are moving while they're in transport while they're <laughs> being beamed up because of the situation from the motion picture where they ended up with. <laughs> Yeah, job. and so oh, I'm just like, I thought you were gonna uh, say spaceballs because I also worry about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, stay still, just stay still, and like maybe hold your breath during Five the beam seconds. Up process. Like, yeah, just yeah. keep it, keep it chill. So, so the other thing I love is the music is rocking here, and they're doing the you know combat prep montage. There's the shot of the torpedo being loaded that is a direct. You like foreshadowing yeah. of oh, the, the funeral coffin. scene. Yeah, that giant sunglasses case. <laughs> but when you're watching it, it does just feel like, again, like, you know, any scene in whatever, you know, like them loading a torpedo into the submarine. I mean, we've seen yeah. those scenes in World War II movies, right. which yeah. is great. So you don't know it's both. You know, it's, it's yeah. a sexy looking torpedo. 
they had to come up with some special rig from the ceiling to hang the camera, to have the camera able to track because it wasn't able to track in the thing that the torpedo was working in. Oh my God. Uh, but it's just a, just a really terrific. But again, limitations and creativity again, you know, that's, that's, we talked about movies sounds yeah, stressful yeah. to make. And I, <laughs> I right, would just so, like to say, just again, just beautiful writing. The fact that, and Khan calls this out as Montalban choose the, you choose the set to pieces, but the idea, the idea of punishing Kirk, with the same the same life sentence that he was given, you know, totally. banishing them into the you know, into this hell underground and having that be the way that you you know you you die. I just think it's, Buried it's just alive. yeah, it's just there Buried you go. Thank alive. you, thank you. Just it's just it's just it's just great great writing and uh, you know watching a brilliant hero and a brilliant villain go yeah. chess match. You know. Chess yeah. move, chess move, chess move, and who's mm. going to get to make the last move? And it's just, it's so exciting to you know to watch this because you really don't have any idea how it's going to turn out in the end. And by the way, the entire back end is just a perfectly staged chess battle. It's move, yeah. move, move. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. not just like what are they thinking, but just in terms of the, you know, the it's it's such a different kind of space battle. The sort of you know the sauce for the goose, so to speak. So yeah, yeah. So, so, so sauce for the yeah, goose. and and also and also on theme too, just like coming out of there, Kirk is old and worn out. He's feeling his age. It's you know it, this you know time has cost him his edge. And then Carol answers by showing him what Genesis actually is. Because now we're we've gone from knowing Genesis as a science project to coming all the way around and seeing the actual majesty, the miracle that this thing is, and what this promises, and you know how that apples. is. You know, it can make apples. <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, Garden of Eden. Um, yeah. The, uh, lots of Paradise Lost references. But um, yeah, I just, I, I, I love how all the themes kind of coalesce in this sort of late second act to bring us, to bring us into the third act where the final showdown is now going to happen and see, you know, see who, who wins out in this case. So I was completely locked in when I was watching this with my brothers last weekend uh, for my note taking uh, viewing. But then when I was doing clips, and we got to this part where, you know, we're getting to laughing at the superior intellect. There's still like 35 minutes left in the movie. And it is just all this very intense, yeah. the, the cat and mouse, and then a nice long kind of fallout to the climax um, that works. But so, Jason, first of all, the Mutara Nebula was created mm -hmm. by injecting latex rubber and ammonia mixture into a cloud-filled tank. A, a whole generation of filmmakers have some kind of mysterious disease because for the <laughs> 20 years after 2001 <laughs> Space Odyssey, all they did was inject solvents into highly reactive compounds and stand in a dark room with incredibly bright lights just evaporating it into their skin. Like I like Stanley Kubrick could be alive today making movies if he right. hadn't like inhaled like an entire, you know, an entire paint store full of fumes making this movie. Um, or maybe so, yeah. that's why he lasted so long and gave us eyes wide shut. We don't know. It preserved him. Thank goodness. Uh, the music here as we get the cat and mouse, including Craig Huxley uh, with his performed, uh, you know, his invented instrument, the blaster beam. That sets the mood is so great. But, you know, when Kirk shows up and, you know, look sharp, fire. Fire! Like he is intense, and he yeah. is br he is bringing the heat. Seeing the part of the Reliant explode, uh, you know, the nacelle getting that like I don't like I, that felt like new. Like we've never just seen parts fall off the thing. Mm -mm. Yeah, mm -mm. but like a leg or an arm getting cut yeah. off. I mean, just yeah. brutal again. Brutal yeah. too. Yeah. 
It still looked good. Like it really. When I, yes. when I saw that, I was like, oh, they fucked that thing up. Like it, they really did a good job on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. And, and that great line of uh, line of dialogue, intelligent but unexperienced. Thinking he's mm. thinking in two dimensions, and right. you know, it's it's because Kirk and Connor both kind of from the same you know Con technically is older, but uh, mm-hmm. but from this you know kind of aged out cl- you know class of these forgotten right. fossils and dinosaurs, huh. and Kirk is calling back on. It's actually not about age; it's about wisdom and experience. Ah man, on Earth I was a prince. <laughs> over millions. Oh my God. Uh, whatever that tune, that, that yeah. one horn. There, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so at this point, um, I love the fact that they take this time. Khan activates the Genesis device. It's going to be on a countdown for four minutes. Sexy switch. In, like, put it in the sexy switch department along with the, the, uh, the alien self-destruct. Yes! The yeah. alien self-destruct apparatus. Oh my God. Sexy self, con- you know, concentric circles that soak into each other. <laughs> Ooh, that is Ryan, my love language. So, so my my family was here. We had eighteen Herreros here at our house for seven days. Um, oh God. And Shout so, out to April, your wife, no doubt, uh, barely alive. That's uh, a wh- lot of Dune podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so one thing that uh, you know my nieces were really excited about was the seventy-seven inch TV with the Atmos and the colored uh, mm. you know lights that match what's on screen. And so we were we put together a list of movies that we wanted to watch, like snippets uh, that we see. And I was like, "You guys, we have to watch Alien: The Self Destruct Sequence." And I put it on. So Ryan, what did the bolt go for in the? Because I know it was on there. Did you yeah, get it? Was it? In, it was in. No, that wasn't. That I thought wasn't it didn't me. sell and then sold after the fact. What is the bolt? Oh, What's the bolt? One of the it's, bolts it's that she the, has to screw the, in or oh, unscrew. Oh, Yeah. Am I wrong about that? Uh, I thought I saw it after day one for sale. I oh, could man, be wrong. I, I, I thought. Wrong. I thought it, so it was so cool. It was, I mean, it was you know, it was like it was like eight eight to ten was the estimate. I thought I thought it I thought it went it went somewhere right in that range. It didn't. That's a healthy price, man. But but very very cool piece. Ron Cobb did uh, all of that, obviously, as you guys know. Yeah, um, just, yeah. just incredible. So, um, so we have Khan's uh, last line. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. He probably should have finished the book of Moby Dick to know how it turns <laughs> out. Like, you know, in the battle between the captain and the whale. The uh, SETI Alpha 6 exploded. He was halfway through. Didn't, <laughs> didn't he think he was the whale? I don't know. <laughs> the whale doesn't. I don't know if the whale has any lines of dialogue. <laughs> I see myself as more the of a The whale's just quoting way, his enemy. I think. Yeah. Right. yeah. So this notion of them trying to get away, Spock instantly knows that he has to get down there and get to work. And Jason, Spock's this is some way real... to sacrifice himself for his whole life. He's ready. But this is some real Chernobyl shit. Uh, it was. Yeah. It really did yeah. remind me. Yeah. It really did remind me of Chernobyl for Awful. sure. Yeah. So yeah. as part of my prep, I did watch for the first time since I saw it in theaters, I watched Into Darkness, um, mm. which actually has a lot of elements that are a lot better than I thought. <laughs> But also, <laughs> which one like, is Into Darkness? Sorry. That's the one. The con one. The con. Oh, the, Jesus. Number two, okay. which was awful, one. right? It, yeah. it had huge problems. Um, but one thing that uh, I noticed is the simplicity of Spock. It's just one thing. He's got to pick it up, put his hands in and put it down. And Into Darkness, like Kirk has to climb through this giant 3D set and kick the yeah. thing and do all the stuff. And it's just, you don't need that. Like, this is yeah. perfect. They reversed the it, right? Kirk dies in that yes, one and then yes. gets brought back to life or some yes, nonsense? Yes, instantly. Oh, yeah. Dear God. The yeah. um the the thing I noticed about the the Spock doing the radiation 
core trans, whatever he's doing, whatever piece of business he's doing is like, mm-hmm. you know, he has, he's going to sacrifice himself. That's fine. But he really puts his face right in that thing. Like, it's not yes. clear to me. He needs to like stick his head in and the And those oven. subtle sort of bubble burns yeah. on his yeah. face, whatever that yeah. makeup thing yeah. is. It's like, it's not a lot, but it's yeah. just enough that you, his skin oh, is sloughing off. Yeah. He's like yeah. molting. Yeah. It's well, it did a number on me as a kid. Yeah. I, re- I remember the skin bubbling off a lot as a kid. From the moment that Jim gets the call, come down, you better hurry. This music that is playing as he is running down. Well, and- before the run though, when he spins around and looks at the empty seat and yeah. instantly yeah. He knows, knows. Yeah. what it is even though you know he can't imagine it oh my god yeah yeah so so watching it you know when he says spock spock straightens his uniform and yes. i'm like yeah. instantly bawling i'm like forget it like he he still cares no the proper the fa- vulcan the proper vulcan yeah he's blind running into the wall and I think, you know, obviously the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. That's the part that people remember. But to me, on these last two viewings, it's really. I have been and always shall be your friend. Live long and prosper. Hits you yeah. right in the heart. Yep. Yep. Unbelievable. Leonard Nimoy is really good. It turns out, like he, he yeah. like we saw him in, um, we saw him when Invasion we of the Body Snatchers, Body Snatchers recently, and it was like so fun to see him do like something else that wasn't Spock, and like he yeah. really, he really did have some moves, and like he just fucking crushes oh. this one. Um, the the scene is is amazing. I mean, the, I have so many. I just it's something I forgot to bring up at the beginning um, that I meant to is I think. This is the first legacy sequel, right? Uh, using a horrible sort of movie mm. term, but the idea of like mm. sequelizing something twenty years on, like a generation later, where you have to play. Well, into no, the but old... wouldn't wouldn't? I mean, you saying Star Trek or Khan? Because I guess technically the motion picture would be the first. But one. this one, well, this, but this one, one is a... immediately anticipates the sequel. This, this, this one, like, this is this is to me, this is a sequel to Space Seed. You know, it's like. It's like, uh, you okay. know, yes, motion motion picture is more of a continuation of the, yeah, yes, fair enough. I see I, what you're saying. You know, and, and uh, you know, f- just first, like, you know, killing off a main character in a major genre film, like who, you know, who else yeah. did, who else did right. that? You know, it, this happened in, in dark 70s you know films all the time, but they right, weren't right. genre movie. They weren't escapist right. summer fair. And then, and then I, I think... The movie's already supposed to be over at this point. Is this the most crushing denouement in the in the history <laughs> yes. of cinema? Like he beats Khan, and then and it's not like Spock doesn't die during the final battle, and like right. you feel the right. pain of your friend dying, but then you kill Khan, you and there's vengeance. this victory. Yeah. You get victory, and then you have to go down into the basement and pull your dead friend out of the radiation chamber. I mean, it's so right. awful. And I was just trying to think of another, like a war movie that had done something similar, and I just, I yeah. love the structure of this movie, and it just so never smart. stops punching. Well, the, sym- the symmetry is also incredible that in some ways, when you know david says to him you know those are good words you know going back to the first scene where he didn't mean it and now yeah. all the way back it was important and there's wisdom there and those words are important and you have now you have faced the no win scenario you you paid the ultimate price i mean just that full face on bookend yeah exactly yeah. just yeah. yeah of my friend i can only say this 
of all the souls I've encountered on all my travels, his was the most human. human. Yeah. <laughs> Which also, by the way, is the rejoinder to the nobody's perfect law. I mean, again, it just... Oh the, the, my I mean, God. they're not callbacks in the sense of like wow. jokes, wow. but Symmetry. that sense of everything connects to everything. It's just yeah. so thought out. It's just so thought out. Yeah, and and, the, and that final conversation with David, I it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you know, you guys, you guys, Dave, you've certainly seen the movie more times than I have. That's the first. You know, he's his son right out of the gate. This is the first yeah. time they actually speak to it explicitly. Whereas, mm-hmm. like a movie now, you'd be getting the note from the studio. You know, right. they they would force it in. And if the writer didn't do it, they'd fire you. And then the director would do it on set. And like, that's why, you know, that's just why we are where we are. And right, that's why right. Wrath of Khan was Wrath of Khan. <laughs> but by the way, <laughs> a, a fine point now to bring up, which is, you know, however many years later we are after Wrath of Khan. So what, 82, we said? So 82. So, you know, we're like, you know, what is it? 41 40, years. 41 years. Yeah. And the Star Trek universe has both explicitly tried to remake this movie with Inter- yeah. Into Darkness, yeah. but also ripped it off. Like, like yeah. here we are 40 years later, and they can't think of anything else to do right. except try Wrath of Khan. That yeah. that first generation is the one Kirk is in where mm-hmm. Picard's family is dead, whatever. But the newest right. show, which I enjoyed, the newest season of Picard, Picard. is another lost son. It's yeah. just fucking yeah. Wrath of Khan. Yeah. 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 41 yeah. years later, they can't come <laughs> yeah. up with another rhythm. And yeah, obviously know Into guys. the Darkness, the worst. Son. But yeah, yeah. just 40 <laughs> years later, they're still just trying to figure out how to make a move, another movie other than Wrath of Khan, which speaks to the wrath, how important important and good Wrath of Khan is more than to me anything, just how desperate they are with it. I don't know. It's hard. It's great. It's, it, it's hard for them to break out. That is for sure. What if uh, our much... hero was so obsessed with his military career that he didn't have time for <laughs> <Right>. family? <laughs> Only this time he's got a winery. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I do want to just call out uh, the fact that just before David comes in, it's revealed that Jim's glasses are broken. I love that. And he kind of just tosses them aside. But now we have, you know, the Genesis theme is really starting to grow and we're all back on the, on the bridge looking at, and, um, you know, Bones asks him, how do you feel? I feel young. And like, and that's the end, like, that's literally the end. They tacked on, um, after screenings, they tacked on the boldly go. So that we would know that he would be a lot, that we know he would be a there'd be another movie correct to boldly go where no man has gone before and then boom we have credits and the score here is extremely uplifting after we've just seen spock on the genesis planet in golden gate park um but it really does lift you up it does not leave you on a downer even though ryan as you just called out you know there's this gut punch uh no it's this crazy thing where spock is dead and yet in some ways kirk it's like we feel like Kirk is better than he's been in many, many years, years in yeah. a very strange way. And so there's a wonderful yeah. feeling that it leaves you with. Mm, he's yeah. ready to st- he's ready to start his podcast now. He's gonna be fine. <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna have a very exciting he's gonna have a podcast about antiques and he's gonna like uh, he's gonna do it with bones. We'll have a feisty chemistry. He's probably um, he's probably gonna retire and open up a, a hotel. That'll be the that'll be the yeah. next so so Dave, uh next question. Who would Tilda Swinton play if you had to recast one role in The Wrath of Khan yes. with Tilda Swinton? Who would it be? Very simple. She's Spock. She's Spock. It's oh, that's so, good. Yeah, that's so good. Whoa. No. Wow. Can you wow. imagine Tilda with her face bubbling off? 
just staring in the <laughs> reactor. I, I mean, My I queen. like Nimoy, but Tilda would yeah would great. knock it out of the park. So there, yeah, amazing, Ryan. I want it to be the SETI Alpha Eel uh, as Tilda <laughs> yes. Swinton and just taking little tiny Tilda Swinton larvae out of its <laughs> back and just pouring them in people's ears. Please, and then God, they become that. Tilda Swintons with the, you know, oh, yeah. That's, that's my Someone wish. please oh, put a Tilda Swinton inside my ear. I just, I, <laughs> what a heavenly. Make me very suggestible. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, how about you? I mean, these were all good suggestions. <laughs> I would good. go with Khan. I would, yeah. I would, I would like to see her. I mean, like, it's, it would be a shame to lose Montalban. But, but only like, with a muscular chest piece. That <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go with Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I would love to see her taking that journey. That would be, that would be amazing. All right, you guys. Well, we did it. We what managed. We managed. You Look guys at this. Great. Like, right what in a, under the, a, the wire. Very good. We nailed it. Matt, got- Matt knows how to manage to a deadline. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. This is I, like his bringing the movie in in, in 22 days of shooting. Yeah. Yeah. In only two hours. So uh, yeah. th- thank you guys so much for joining. Again, everybody should check out uh, the incredible podcast, Stuff the Dreams Were Made so Of. It's, it's really fun. Uh, and it's just, uh, you guys have a very interesting niche interest. Um, and it's really fun uh, to Hot share that. kettle. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan also has a TV show that he works on that you guys uh, might see at some point in the future, House of the Dragon. We're all eagerly awaiting that. And, and just thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank so you. Fun. Thank you so this much. was so fun, guys. Thank you. Holy shit. Ryan and Dave know things about movies. I'm always impressed when I talk to people who know things about movies who can like look at it. Oh, this movie was shot in 54 days. Oh, yeah. Well, that means blah, 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 blah. That's always impressive. Um, and I really like, I think Dave made a very full throated and compelling case for how well crafted this movie is. And like a detail we didn't talk about, um, is like, you know, Kirk's like carrying around the, uh, tale of two cities book, you know, it's like mm-hmm. gift in the beginning. He like walks into the, you know, like that could be in another movie or another context that could be like heavy handed and weird, but it like works so well thematically that you just accept it in this movie. There's a lot of things like that. Mm. Um, and I appreciated going through so many of them with two such learned gentlemen as our guests. Yeah. And who knew it had a some like it hot reference? That was wild. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> Really, really good. This, the, yeah, Ryan's last point about how there's the 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 denouement, Spock dying in the denouement, uh, is just a complete structural break mm-hmm. of norms. Um, just really genius. Yep. So, God. Yep. Thank you, guys. We're so glad, so glad to have you back. Uh, well, what do you say? Should we do some letters real quick? Letters. All right, here we go. The truth Beria here. Wrath of Mother Love and Khan. I love this movie for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but really, it's Ricardo Montalban who takes this movie to another level. Here's three stories about this legendary actor. Two are false. One is true. It's time for the truth saying. Number one, Ricardo's fame hit new heights when he played Mr. Rourke on Fantasy Island. Co-star and practical joker Hervé Villache made Ricardo's job much tougher. When the two of them were in a scene together, Hervé would sometimes fart. Ricardo, ever the professional, seldom broke character. Number two, Ricardo, always the fitness enthusiast, which you can clearly see in Wrath of Khan, won a celebrity bodybuilding contest in the early 70s, beating out Richard Chamberlain and Lloyd Bridges. Mm. Or is it number three? 
Ricardo made a famous series of commercials for Chrysler Cordoba, where he talked about the fine Corinthian leather. Turns yeah. out the leather used in those Chryslers didn't in fact come from the ancient Greek city, but rather from the same New Jersey wholesaler that the rest of Detroit used. <laughs> the ad agency just made the Corinthian leather thing up. Which one of those three stories about Ricardo Montalban is true? Wow. Wow, those are good. I think the farting one is true. I think I've heard about the farting for some reason, but maybe it's like... Really? The farting one seems true to me, and I want to believe that Corinthian leather is an actual thing and not something that they made up, so I'm going with farts. Okay, I'm going with the bodybuilding. I'm just uh, going to say in advance before we get into this, if it turns out that Corinthian leather is a hoax, it's just going to be... I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to take a beat. I'm going to problems. go on hiatus again. <laughs> you just got back. I know, but right, here we go. <laughs> Quién es más macho, William Shatner or Ricardo Montalban? Uh, okay, which one of those three stories was true? It was number three. Rich Corinthian leather <laughs> oh, was a thing no! made up by Chrysler's ad agency. Oh, Still, no. it was a very supple product. My first car, in <laughs> fact, was a 1977 Chrysler Cordoba. Wow! Nine feet long, eight tons of steel. You needed a nautical license to drive it, but man, that leather. I'd like to quote my buddy H. <laughs> Here ends the very macho truth saying. All right, I'll be back in a month. God! Uh, <laughs> how can it not be real? Oh, man. Uh, see happened. you guys when I see you. <clears throat> see you, Jason. Yep. All right, here's our next voicemail. Hello, Escape Hatch. It's Kev here. Wow, it's finally time. We're talking about Depending on how you feel about Blade Runner 2049, the third or fourth best sci-fi sequel of all time, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. We watched this on an off week in the Chuckle Hut about a year and a half ago, mm. and uh, in short, it changed my life. I couldn't believe how just fully felt this movie is, uh, how real, how human, how wonderful of a movie. I'm thrilled you guys are covering it. I'm probably going to try to watch it before the episode airs. Mm. And uh, yeah, just thrilled about it. Kev's question, what's the biggest glow up from original to sequel? Mm. I've never seen the motion picture still to this mm. day, Star Trek, the motion picture. But I understand it to be like Not great. Enya's Cool Moods CD, you know, the one with yeah. Sail Away on it as like the yeah. big track mm. uh, with, with some glowing stuff. <laughs> That's it. So uh, I, I feel like that, that's a pretty big glow up from there to here. Yeah. What is your favorite sci-fi sequel glow up? Actually, <laughs> mine is Terminator 2 Judgment Day, but we've litigated that on another podcast long ago. All right. <laughs> peace and love, everybody. And I will talk to you very soon. Woo! Once again, it's Kev's Questions. I appreciate that there is some Terminator slander in there on the way mm. out the door. Um uh, I mean, well, Empire Strikes Back. Not that like the first one is bad, but like Empire is like a, a much better movie. Possibly you could say The Last Jedi um, if you're going kind of in triads. Um, mm. Superman 2, uh, <laughs> Neil Before Zod. Mm. Uh, it's harder to make the argument there. Uh, definitely not Indiana Jones uh, and definitely not Jaws. It's not um, Aliens. Like Aliens is not too alien. perfect. Yeah, you can't say Aliens bad. Like you can make an argument that Aliens is better, but like it's you know as you can with Terminator Two. But like neither neither mm -hmm. one of them has like sort of the Star Trek the motion picture issue where like the first one really is 
um, the first one really is hampered in some in some fundamental way. Um, if you say mm-hmm. the Chronicles of Riddick, oh, that's a good argument though. Uh, <laughs> Never seen that's it. A, that's a good argument. Yeah. Never seen because it because Pitch Black is uh, is good. Uh, or Pitch Dark, whatever the name of the first one is. Pitch Black. Um, yeah. Yeah. And but Chronicles of Riddick is an underrated science fiction masterpiece. That's going to be my answer. Chronicles of Riddick. In fact, that is my answer to all questions for <laughs> from now on for the at least the next two weeks. Okay, until you return. Uh, yeah, until after, I return after, after yeah. the Corinthian leather situation. Yeah. Um, I so I'm just going to break. I'm rejecting uh, the constraints Kev is putting on me. And okay. I'm going to use. Um, I'm just going to not use sci-fi, but I'm going to do um, the original Mash and then the television show Mash. Like the okay. idea that's a of, good, that's a good argument. That's of a good coming argument. back around, taking something that was yeah, already yeah. good, but going to an entirely different level. Yeah, that's a good argument. Um, that was that was definitely good. Good, Kev, good one. Kev, thank you. We love you. Love you, Kev. Missed you. All right, here we go. It's Gay Pack. Hey, it's Corey from Austin, Texas, calling about Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Man, was this the best science fiction movie to come out in 1982? I, I don't know. Ten-year-old Corey probably would have told you yes. Uh, I I think this was probably my favorite Star Trek movie, which isn't too hard to do when you kind of look at all of them, you know, and kind of hold them up to one another. But uh, mm-hmm. this was definitely the coolest, uh, you know, by a space mile. Do they have miles in space? Is that a thing? <laughs> Jason, are you back? Can you tell me? Can you confirm? Are there miles they have in miles. space? We measure they things that way. You can have miles anywhere you want. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so I don't think I knew this, or if I did, I completely forgot. This is directed by that fucking maniac that directed the day after. Does anyone else remember oh. this movie? We talked about this on the pod. I'm sure we have. We got to do this one. I remember this movie just melting our brains and scaring the hell out of all of us in the 80s. Um, but all right, we're not here to talk about the nuclear war. We're here to talk about <laughs> Rafikon. Uh Ricardo Montalban obviously was super cool. Super badass that entrance that they make when they're all wrapped up in their cool like you know space sand outfit, mm. and then when they put those freaking those ear eels and fucking check off on that other dude's ears, how how terrifying is that? That was so <laughs> effing cool. Um, but actually, before then, this also has I haven't watched it in a while. Sorry, uh, kind of <laughs> rambling. Um, the Kobayashi Maru Savic, all that stuff, that opening. Well, we I was like totally fooled. Remember, you thought like this is it. This is it. Everyone's dying. Is this really happening? But obviously, just a test. Just a just a little test there. And we got Kirk back in action. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh, things I don't like in this movie would have to be David. Like, really? This guy mm. sucks. Uh, but we do have Khan, who's a total badass. We do have Spock dying. We have the amazing James Horner score. Mm-hmm. All right. This one's awesome. So I'm glad you guys are covering it. I can't wait to hear everybody talking about it. I'm also very excited about Jason's triumphant return. Yeah. To the pod. Thank goodness. Everyone held down while you were gone, but we really need you, man. And we're happy to have you back. Um, who would tell the Swinton play? Ooh, lots of good options here. I'm going to go with Savick, though. That's what I'm wow. going to do. I hate to lose Kirstie wow. So beautiful in this. But uh, Tilda, Savick, let's do it. All right. Love you guys. See you next episode. Mm. Mm. Savick, a good Savick is a good choice, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was this one was like one of our most Tilda target rich environments uh, that mm. we've covered. 
I'm uh, thank you very much, Corey, for that warm welcome back. I missed you uh, and all of our frequent voicemailers uh, very much while I was while I was away. I love the fact that Savic has tears in her eyes. Like mm-hmm. even as a Vulcan, she's she's moved. Yes. Yeah, at I noticed fu- that too. At the funeral. The, at the funeral. Yeah. Golly. Yeah. What a picture. What a picture. Jason, we did it. That's a good movie. What do you have to plug? <laughs> what do I have to plug? Um, Malibu? Malibu's nice. Uh Southern California. You know, it's warmer in San Francisco. Um I I saw a centipede the other day. Um <laughs> And let me shout out centipedes just generally because they are some of the gnarliest looking creatures that just roam this earth casually. I mean, what an idea. Just all these like sharp, all these little sharp little legs, all this like segmented body, so many legs, so many segments. Not good. Not good. Good Lord. Watch out. Shout out to them. Watch out for them. And that's it for this episode of Escape Patch. I want to thank Jason, Ryan, and Dave for an amazing conversation. Next week, we cover the classic fantasy metagenius film of our youths, The Princess Bride. Joining us is podcasting legend, Veronica Belmont. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast, or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want, and a Patreon where you can support us and unlock exclusive perks. Links are in the show notes. Escape Patch is a Tape Deck Podcast John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher, and our theme music was composed by Scott Fritz and Who's the Boss Music. The episode was edited by Megan Hayward of Edit Audio and produced by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week. Of my friend, I can only say this. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Others. <laughs>